1: Greetings, you are once again listening to the Doom Podcast, the mandated podcast of Doom required for weekly consumption by all its citizens. Doom, your benevolent leader, is of course your host. This week, we will once again be conversing on the topic of one Reed Richards, the feeble-minded, egotistical, capitalist pawn of America whose only claims to fame have been hoisted on the coattails of doom, or through blind luck. I need not remind you, faithful citizens, that it was doom who saved this planet multiple times. And it was only through doom that Richards was even able to bring to this world his greatest achievement. The birth of his daughter. <laughs> a man with such dangerous ineptitude that he can't even birth his own daughter correctly without the help of another man <laughs> who could ever say they're truly an equal to doom or the great might of Latveria itself i mean just look at the news those fools richards and his fantastical family couldn't even foil the invasion of a scroll <laughs> name one scroll you've seen in latveria that's right zero There have been no scrolls in Latveria, and if you've heard otherwise, you've heard incorrectly. For Doom protects its citizens, unlike the American capitalist pigs, or any other nation unequal to Latveria in might and strength. And yes, Richards may be a feeble-minded, weak-willed fool, but even he would be able to navigate the simple and intuitive design of our sponsor, Squarespace.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly comic book podcast where we read and discuss a graphic novel or collection of comic books. This week, we will be covering Mark Wade and Mike Wieringo's Fantastic Four with, drumroll please everyone, brrr, you at home, chip in on this, brrr, in the office, brrr, in the car, brrr, <laughs> Evan Von Doom, straight from Latveria himself. One of my favorite people, co-host, I am his co-host on his podcast, (laughs) What's Next, a comic book podcast. Hello,
1: everybody. It's me, Evan.
2: (laughs) That's his voice.
1: (laughs) This is what I sound like. If you listen to podcasts, you would know. Woo-hoo! can i, just,
3: can I <laughs> just say it's so nice to have a professional here from a good podcast mm-hmm. it's it's so appreciated for once of course
1: i'm always happy to offer my services to the up-and-comers like yourselves
3: thank you good we finally got the good half of the podcast here anyways Thanks. Dallas, how are you doing today?
2: <laughs> loving this bit loving this week's long bit <laughs> my we're going on just we're me. going on a whole
3: year of it stay- yeah, <laughs> you skipped introductions, and I had the perfect pun to introduce myself with, because I am the fantastic fa- Anne, but oh! you know what?
1: Oh. You took
3: that Can't from believe her.
2: Fantastic Anne, and who's the other one? Who's the other one on the show?
0: Me!
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's my pubescent little brother, Alexis Taylor. Be <laughs> <See> anybody, really? <bro.
0: laughs> yep, that was really fun. Love it. Yeah.
2: First time listeners, welcome to the <laughs> show with no context, no introductions, and no real direction at all. One take, no misses, no mistakes. <laughs> no mistakes. going all the way. <laughs> we started this saying no one take and we had exactly one second of that take before it was tanked immediately. We
3: from building. My fault. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it was comedy gold
2: though. It so. honestly was pretty, the timing was pretty good. <laughs> um evan do you want to introduce yourself and your pick for us this week a little bit
1: yes hi everybody i'm evan von doom you can find me on twitter.com as the such name um yeah i picked this because uh i love the fantastic four i grew up with uh comic books all my life Fantastic Four was my first family and so my first superhero family too uh, i got my first comic book when i was like six years old i want to say and it came in a stocking all rolled up very nicely uh, it was a fantastic four magazine from target and i read it and i felt in love with these characters and their villains so and the crazy adventures they go on so then years later i found the wade run and it just re like relit this flame under me for this family So I just wanted to share this experience with everybody else because I think it's the perfect way. Everyone's always asked me, Evan, Evan Von Doom, you're so handsome, you're so sexy, you're so beautiful, you're so funny. Why do you like the Fantastic Four? They're so lame. And I go, no, they're not lame. You're lame for not reading them. So I wanted to have a good way to introduce them. And I think, in my opinion, the Wade Run is the best pathway to becoming a Fantastic Four fan. So. That's my pitch. Um, and Ben Grimm is the goat, the best character in comic books ever to this day. And this doesn't change that at all. So, And also, Dr. Doom's in it. So.
0: <laughs> I do have to say, as someone who has never read a Fantastic Four before this week, uh, I'm on your side. I am. Let's on, go! I have a little flag. Like, woohoo! Yeah, love it. It's my I'm favorite. so
1: glad. I was talking to Dallas about this before because I was listening to um, one of your sci fi. <laughs> episodes where you're talking about you didn't like a lot of sci-fi stories or anything. Mm -hmm. I can't remember which one it was but I was like, damn, I think this could be the one. So I'm very glad you liked it. You
0: got me. I'm a fan. It was very fun. Excellent. And I did finish it before Dallas. I finished two days ago
3: and Dallas finished this morning.
1: Wow. That is true. That's
3: crazy. Dallas, I can't believe you do something like that. I definitely didn't finish this morning too. That's just insane. (laughs) I just cannot believe.
2: You know, coming off of
0: This is my podcast. Everyone on Twitter is right.
2: (laughs) You're exactly right. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, coming off my 50-hour work week at the coal mine, I (laughs) grabbled out to do the Fantastic Four this morning, but you're right. You're right. You should celebrate this and make me feel (laughs) bad about scraping together my hobbies out of the depths of capitalism. All right. We
1: will.
0: We will. I literally have two jobs
1: (laughs) (laughs) that I go
0: to every day. All right.
1: Uh, really? She got me. Yep. Jeez. America, land of the free. And I still right. have a
0: heart palpitation every time I pay rent. Every time.
1: Oh, no. Just
0: going to pass I want
1: to change a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: And that is my God given right as an American. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for the system we have.
0: Thank goodness we don't live in an imaginary country I can't remember the name of.
2: Latvian. Latveria. Latveria. Yep. I, <laughs> I. I feel like my radicalizing moment was being like, "Latvian don't sound so bad." I was like, yeah. would, <laughs> "Would I
1: let there be a fascist, evil oligarch?
0: Would I let for all Lager those
1: take benefits?" Husband, maybe. We, well, do we, know, have, those benefits. we do that right now for no benefit, so isn't
3: that <laughs> yeah. much of a change? Interesting. A interesting. little. Just show me what Latveria's um, stance on trans healthcare is, and then we can start talking. Because I'm, I have a feeling Doom probably um, says trans lives matter. So I'll it's right fun. now,
1: and yeah, Doctor Doom canonically said trans lives matter. So okay,
3: you're um, in. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Free HRT for everyone. Come get your estrogen, <laughs> whatever you want. It. <laughs>
2: Doom's like all this est- all this free estrogen. What do I do with it? <laughs> it's from all of us swooning at Doom. He's like, it just keeps coming. <laughs> oh my gosh, honestly, of all the characters in this, I feel like everybody is pretty pretty much on that same page. But I think Johnny Storm had to be convinced. I'm not quite. I feel like <laughs> I feel like to me Johnny Storm is someone that's like. I need to go do my own research. And then yeah. it's like, Reed Richards is your brother-in-law. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: You don't need to research for anything, you double what are talking
2: talking? Like, <laughs> King, what are you talking about? You're just supposed to be double-caked up on a Thursday here. <laughs> Why are you on Facebook.com figuring
1: out about a vaccine? <laughs> like, Johnny Storm you- is a great character because he is the type of person that would say, I should do my own research and then <laughs> never do that research whatsoever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I, will say, I will say, I do feel very seen by Johnny for our uh, mutual hate of Spider-Man. Love that! I cackled out loud when I was like, "Yeah, I'm so glad I found a brother out here. Look at him." <laughs> Hates Spider-Man.
1: Man, wait till you figure out their best friends in every. I comic know, books. It's
3: tragic, <laughs> but that's all right. The roommates, I hear. Actually, I you think know, know. roommates.
2: <laughs> they actually are five feet apart in a hot tub because
1: they're not gay. <laughs> Yet. 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 A Peter I'm Peter get her. my hands on one of them. Oh. <laughs> it's like, that like, kind of way of the writing type of way. <laughs> no, no, you, you meant the other way. Maybe Kevin's another way like, too,
2: but... Kevin's like, wait till Johnny Storm meets me. Listen, won't be the first
1: time? Um...
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: is it hot in here or is it ju- Oh, it's you? Okay. Oh. oh, it's it's actually warm. Oh, shit. Yeah. Sorry, do we need to exceed or are you good? I, I don't get this part. <laughs>
2: Do you think he's ever spontaneously combusted
1: during Pankey yes. Panky? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, 100%. Without a doubt. That has to, someone had to have written that in a comic at some point. Like, it almost made it into the movies, didn't it? The original one with Chris Evans. Did oh, he, like, yeah. catch fire when he was, like, um, like trying to seduce that one nurse or whatever?
3: They were, like, Probably. skiing together and he caught on fire Enough going it. down the hill.
1: Oh, Okay. Yeah. I thought it was like a scene where she was like taking, yeah, his she was like taking his temperature and she's like, wow, you're hot. And he goes, thanks,
3: so are you. <laughs> <laughs> just before we get into the book, I will stand by those Fantastic Four movies. I love okay. them so much. They're cheesy goodness. <laughs> they're very good. I 100% agree. I love them. I don't get why people hate them. I, well, actually, no, I do understand. Yeah. I think there's a lot
1: to hate about it, but I can't bring myself to have any type of negative energy towards it because they're just fun. They're just having a good time. Stanley shows up. He's like, "I'm a mailman." And you're like, "Yeah, good job, dude." Like,
3: "All right, Stan." It's great. Good job. Cool. I can't like... remember
1: the mailman's name.
3: Yeah, cuz he's actually a character in the comics, but yeah,
1: and I can never remember his name.
2: The mailman's name is actually uh, Jack Kirby is the real inventor of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> That's the mailman's name, Stanley. Got him. Got him. All right. That. So, Alexis, do you want to introduce the characters of the Fantastic Four a little bit? And maybe, like, an outline of the run. Because we read the whole run for this. We haven't done okay. that in a while.
0: We read a whole 30 issues, which was really fun.
2: 36, evil, I think.
0: Evil eyes. <laughs> That's it was, right. a, it was as much as Sunstone. Yeah, but... Okay, That you called me out on, on that one. I have no response to that, but... <laughs> Of course, I would love to give a little overview of everybody, and feel free to chime in with any thoughts or opinions as well. Um, But, so, we are introduced right out the gate to our lovely Fantastic Four, where we have Reed Richards, Mm. Sue Storm, who is his lovely wife, and um, Johnny, her younger brother, as well, and then our favorite angel of the whole run, Mr. Ben. Favorite... Mm. Favorite character. He's so funny.
2: He's the greatest. Blue eyed, beautiful man. Mm-hmm. He's probably the best Marvel comics
1: superhero.
0: There's a reason he went to yeah. heaven. That's all. I'll say.
1: <laughs> spoiler.
0: <laughs> spoiler. If you weren't already, this whole <laughs> podcast is spoiler. Everyone, don't listen to it. But <laughs>
1: wait, no, hold on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, like we get to as someone who's never read a run of the Fantastic Four before, like shocking. Not surprised at that. Um, I it was really fun to because of course I know the characters. Of course we've seen them with the different movies. People talk about them all the time. But it was very fun to kind of learn more of their dynamic as a family. I didn't know that they, that Reed and Sue had children. That was really fun too. They're a huge plot point as well. Um, I don't know why I'm forgetting their son's name now. <laughs> Franklin. Franklin. Okay. I was right. I was going to say Franklin, but I was like, that just is a turtle. Okay. I don't want you <laughs> to be wrong. <laughs> but, oh. And then Valeria, their demon child, but we will put a pin in that as well. <laughs> Scary little demon baby. But, um, yeah. Like we have several different, um, little snippets of stories that we read, which were really fun. Um, I can't quite remember the name of all of them off the top of my head because there were like little groups of four to six of them. Hmm. But yeah, anyone have any thoughts to jump off of that with me?
2: I feel like like a little bit of historical context on this. The Fantastic Four was down bad before this run came out. Like They had gone through like five years of Not a single good comic. And they'd had, like... (laughs) They'd had five or six different people come in and do, like, ten issues. And it just, like, could not get it to stick. And so there were a lot of conversations at Marvel that the Fantastic Four were just... Should be retired, basically. Which comes up again later, actually. In 2015, they did get retired for a while. And it sucked. Yeah, Because, like, the Fantastic Four... When people don't get it, I think it's easy to assume it's boring or that it's not going to make money. It's not a worthwhile IP for Marvel to take care of. But Mike Wieringo was first brought on to the project. And then with his name attached, Mark Wade, who had just come off of a very famous and well-loved Flash run, was like... All right, I want, I loved working with Mike on the Flash. I think he's perfect. And if he wants to do Fantastic Four, I, who am not a big Flash fan or not a big Fantastic Four fan, will come and write it. But before he did that, he decided to read a bunch of Fantastic Four comics and he fell in love with them. And he was like, "Oh, I missed it my whole life. Like, I get it now." And so he came and decided to help revitalize the characters. And so this first issue is a really fun meta commentary on that. That he was like brought in to help make the Fantastic Four sexy again. So to make that the first story was very funny to me.
1: Yeah, and I think that first issue, especially, like knocks it out of the park. Like if you're ever going to read one single issue of Fantastic Four, I think this really they really were able to embody everything that I love about the family and explain their purpose and why they're here and the expectations versus the reality of them. And I thought that was very fantastic how they uh, pulled that off. I agree. I think. Issue one and two are like the perfect primer
2: into this run Oh yeah, where you have the family dynamic in issue one and then issue two, you have the comedy that's going to be present as well.
3: And it's got, you know, all that heart there, too. Like, I keep thinking back to that scene where it's like you you spend the whole issue trying to figure out why Reed Richards is reaching out for like. to to increase their image, you know, trying to get like a consultant to come in and improve their image. And you have that whole dialogue he gives to Valeria at the end, who doesn't understand a single word he's saying, but he just like spills spills his guts to her. He shows his soul and just like all the regret and the guilt that he feels for being the one who put the entire family in the situation and just being the one who's trying to make the best out of it for them because he cares so much about them. And that's just... It's one of my favorite Reed Richards moments ever. There's this huge misconception with a lot of people that Reed is like, you know, a really bad person, that he's an awful father. And I think a lot of that comes from stuff where it's like, as a, as a Carol Danvers fan, I know this very well. When a character does something stupid in a crossover event, it's going to have repercussions for years because more people read the crossover events than they do the individual <laughs> comics. So I think a lot of people when they think of Reed Richards still think about moments like in Civil War where he made a Thor clone who ended up murdering um, Bill Foster. And they just think like, oh, well, Reed's just another one of these jackass scientists. And it's a shame because you there's so much more to these characters that you need to explore and get to see because you don't get to see a lot of their hearts in events like that. And I just think that this is such a good look at Reed and a good look at everyone. Good. My favorite Fantastic Four runs, understand that at the core, is just this is a family with a lot of love and heart for each other.
0: I agree. Like, they are just such charming characters as individuals. But when you put them all together, you can really feel, like, how much love they have for each other, how much love they have for the little kids. Like, especially I keep thinking of, and this is later down the run, but when Ben takes them trick-or-treating. Like, I just think that that's the cutest, like, few little panels of, it's like, yeah, these are our kids. (laughs) Like, they're (laughs) all of our kids. And I just, I don't know. Like, I love their family dynamic and how much they lean on each other. I think it's really awesome.
2: Can I spoil something from the way in the future a little bit? So Mm -hmm. Ben and Alicia get married eventually. Saw that coming. And (laughs) they actually have recently adopted two little kids. Oh. Um, Oh, yeah, they did two little alien kids. Oh. um, and they were little kids that were like raised to be gladiators. And so Ben is like helping them to be soft basically. Oh. And there's a really great issue where he takes them on. He takes them trick or treating. And it's a huge homage to this issue yeah. where Ben gets to take his own kids trick or treating. Oh. And one of them is a scroll. And so she keeps changing costumes to go back and get more and more and more candy. <laughs> and, it's just funny because the other one's a Cree and so he's like a real strategist. And Ben's like Ben hears them coming up with their attack plan to like get all the candy. They're like, We will maximize candy output. And he's like, Are you kidding me? He like he like takes them to go give all the candy back because these <laughs> little scoundrels stole it all. Oh. It's it's a I'll I'll tell you what issue it is after this, because it's yeah. it's really sweet and really fun.
0: Yeah, and that's like the baseline of what i feel like to me at least that the fantastic four is like it's just so good and wholesome like Mm -hmm. also mixed with the intense um life changing events that they go through and their fights and their battles but like we still have that baseline of like oh yeah these are just really good down-to-earth characters which i really liked
1: Yeah, for me, it's 100% all about family. If you can't get the family aspect of it right, or if you don't understand that aspect of the characters, it all falls apart. Like Anne was saying with Civil War, that's a huge one where you have this cold character who it feels like he hates his family at times, the way he talks to them and treats them. Um, And even in this run, they play with that idea where there's a lot of times where you're reading and you're like, Reed, you're a huge jerk right now. And what are you doing? And even I was rereading and I was like, oh, shoot, why is he doing this again? Like, he's really, like, really (laughs) saying really hurtful things. And then, like, there's the next page. He's just like, I can't believe I had to say that. I feel terrible, but I had to do it. And I was like, oh, he thinks there's a reason behind this. That makes sense to him. So once everything goes back to family for me, I think it clears up a lot of um, the disparaging ideas, I suppose, that people have. But a lot of comics just totally gloss over that. Totally.
2: And I think, like, Reed is a flawed character to me. And right. I think that's what makes him compelling, right? All of all the critiques and flaws that people point to in these characters, they're valid. Other Like, I think Sue is a special case, so we'll get to talking about Sue. <laughs> but, like, Johnny is a hothead that does, is like a bit of a playboy character, you know? Ben does have a temper and does, like, th- so much of the Stan Lee, like, it's Jack Kirby first 30 issues of that is Ben Grimm goes to pout because he got his feelings hurt like every issue <laughs> and Reed can because Reed is so intelligent he's like six steps ahead and he doesn't care to bring anyone else in and so he really does just like he doesn't consult he does take charge of and mm-hmm. it comes from a place of love but I think it's still a hurtful behavior coming from Reed oh, yeah. that, especially in this run, I feel like really showed how it hurts Sue so frequently for him to be like, no, this is what we're doing. And Sue was like, I wish that wasn't what we were doing. And he's like, well, I'm the genius. So, and I was like, Sue, go to Namor, go to <laughs> the fish man. He has abs. You could lick go be free. <laughs> But dress then your I don't son
0: up like him.
2: But then I don't want
1: it <laughs> because I love them. And so it's just also he's in, maybe we're not going to treat her better. <laughs> if we're being honest.
3: Yeah, maybe worse. Yeah, he has abs for days, but he's also a dick. Like the worst type. <laughs> but <laughs> Usually he's those he's so my scary. dick. <laughs> but he's my dick. <laughs> I love him.
2: I love. I I feel like. When I go back and read Silver Age comics, I always latch on to someone that I don't expect because mm. I'm like, "You are camp incarnate," and it's it's Namor for me. Going back and reading those, every time he shows up in a speedo and he's like, "Hello, it is me, Namor," and he's like, <laughs> "Nipples out, like I'm here to fuck your girlfriend and ruin your day," <laughs> and then he's got like little wings on his ankles, like he's an icon. and And Reed's always like, "Sue, do you really like him?" and she's like, she's like. She's like, he is very hot, honey. Maybe. <laughs> and Reed's like, don't say
3: that. She's like, I can't lie, he's very hot.
0: Oh, that's so funny. It's so
3: true. this this isn't canon, but that speedo is definitely a tear away.
1: Oh, oh yeah, you I'm know sorry. it is. Yeah, at a moment's notice.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, it took goodness. me a, a minute to realize what you had said, <laughs> uh, and so when everyone agreed, all of a sudden I was like what's a tarot way like t-a-r-o-w-a-y i was like is this like a a clubbing term i don't know like uh is this like banana hammock am i missing something (laughs) older and then
0: My, my my church is showing oh no
2: i was like am i am i not in the loop Oh no! Gonna, like, do type I need it a taro it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, do I have to buy a tearaway? Uh-huh. Like, am I missing out on something? <laughs> I'll make a better joke next time.
3: I'll just—they're edible. How about that?
2: <laughs> they're sea, they seaweed flavor. Exactly. <laughs> so it's not—it's not like pleasant because Namor wants you to earn it. You know,
1: like, <laughs> he wants like, you to suffer for it. me.
2: Yeah, I he's like—he's mm. <laughs> like, you want the sushi? You have to eat the seaweed. Oh my gosh. And he actually canonically calls his penis the sushi. But anyway, back to this run.
0: (laughs) Anyway, back to Math Man.
1: It flops like a fish. Um, (laughs) But...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tell us, don't do that hand motion.
1: (sighs) We kid.
3: Anyway, more of the story.
1: They ever should have been in this run. (laughs) Oh, sorry, go ahead, Dan.
3: No, No, go for it.
1: I was just going to say, Namor should have been in this run. That's my one issue, I think, with this run, is that there's a lot of focus, and I love Doctor Doom. You already know how much I love Doctor Doom. Best villain in comics, one of the best villains in fiction in general. There's a lot of time spent on Doom or surrounding Doom, and not a lot of other villains. I'm trying to think of all the villains that show up in this run, and it's just Doctor Doom, Fearsome Four, and is that it? And then, yeah, the, the original villain. Yeah. yeah, what's his name?
2: Matrix? Yeah. Uh, oh. Something uh, like that.
3: Something like that. Software anyway. X. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Software X. He Richard's cyber boyfriend. My right. childhood
0: drama. That is his name.
3: So there's a lot of time spent on childhood drama.
1: <laughs> He's like the embodiment of why you should pay attention during math class.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whenever you do it in high school. But, yeah, so there's like not a lot of focus on a lot of the other villains in the fantastic four mythos like one of my favorite villains that never gets any single amount of love is diablo um which i only know because i picked up that target magazine uh, many many years ago <laughs> never saw him again <laughs> not even once um so we could have used like more diablo mole man Namor. there's like a lot of characters that could have gotten love and i understand if they didn't have time or the right stories for them but there was a lot of stories that just focus around doom and the aftermath of doom or the feelings around doom which is great and it makes sense for the entire run but at the same time i do wish some of that love was spread to the other aspects of the mythos like the inhumans show up for a little bit which is cool but they're just babysitters in the background which is a great world building experience but we don't see any type of interaction with them outside of that and there's a bunch of other allies that the marvel or the marvel's first family has like the mailman whose name i can't remember (laughs) or any scrolls or Johnny's ex-wife, plural, um, or um, I don't know if Alicia's father was confirmed to be uh what's the his name puppet master? Yeah, right. The puppet master. He's confirmed
2: now. He's confirmed now. I don't remember back in Yeah, 07. but that was
1: something because they mentioned that later when uh, Johnny's like talking about the girl who's the daughter of wizard, um, and the, and Ben says <laughs> I think Ben says. uh Oh, I never dated anyone who's like the offspring of one of our greatest enemies, and I was like, "Oh, so this didn't happen yet, or you just not remember?"
2: I think it's so. part of like her first appearance. I think he's just full yeah. of shit. Honestly, I think, I think Mark Way just
1: totally forgot. <laughs> he just yeah, likes I, to be a dick. Well, just in Johnny only.
0: Yeah.
1: In Ben's defense, he did specify gr- like grand ch- or like son or daughter of uh, a villain, and not. Wait no, because Alicia, no, she's she's yeah. The daughter. Yeah,
2: so that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's first appearance. First okay. appearance of Alicia. She is hmm. his daughter. So Mark, so Mark, plot hole. Mark Wade, throw the whole Mark thing Wade. away. <laughs> You're going to jail. Mark have Wade, you never... if you want to be on this podcast, I have so many nice things to say about you. <laughs> I won't. <will, laughs> I won't bring up a single mistake you've ever made in your whole career.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's, it's all perfect to me. It's not, <laughs> but I'm only going to talk about the perfect things.
0: We'll <laughs> ignore everything else
2: like I hope people will do for me
0: no you no, open your birthday gifts two weeks before your birthday
1: wow um, I'm
0: so mad about that shake my head well be anyway good. what do we want so I found out the name his name is Modulus the oh evil yes. math man Baby. I he's kind of spooky might I just say yeah. like just for a little blurb on him when he starts like dividing people <laughs> I'm like, oh, that is a new terror dream that I've never, (laughs) ever put thought into in my life. Just explodes, Johnny. It's fine.
1: (laughs) I forgot how terrifying this entire run is. I thought there was a lot more brevity between the horror, but it pretty much goes from modulus to unthinkable to authoritative to um, read, basically sacrificing his integrity to take over that Latveria, to Ben's death, to you're in heaven and there's scary angels. And it's like nonstop basically for the first few arcs. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a little bit of moments of brevity in there, like with the Yancey Street um, rap group or, there's, <laughs> um, or anything to, no, even the issues where it's like should be a brevity issue, like where Johnny is like running as the um, financial advisor. Oh, or that's so funny. And which is a great arc for him. And it's very funny and a lot of fun. And then you see a guy melt in front of you. And mm-hmm. it's just some random scientist. At first, I thought it was one of the jerks who were, like, trying to play Johnny Storm. But it turns out it was just a random scientist that we never met. Yeah. And I was like, this is really dark. And they show it, like, multiple times yeah, and how he's even melted. is
0: like, is there anything we can do for him? And they're like, yeah. no, not really. Sorry. Yeah, he's like,
1: no, nah, it's too late. He's gone. Get out of here. And I was like, damn. <laughs> that's that's really messed up.
3: Yeah, I kept noticing, like, the tone would shift so drastic. This has like such big highs and lows in terms of just like the tone and the energy that was bringing per page. And I know that like um, it does focus a lot on Doctor Doom, but there's like four issues, four or five issues of Doctor Doom, and then like twelve issues after that dealing with the aftermath of Doctor mm-hmm. Doom, which I thought yeah. was so cool because we don't see that a lot. Like I I've, I've read the Hickman run before, and Doom's like he's a constant there, but he pops up, he does some things, and then he he backs back out. It's like a character feels like they have an, like a mutual understanding with the Fantastic Four, more than just like an adversary. Mm-hmm. This is the first Fantastic Four story I've read where he's felt like not just an adversary, but the adversary.
4: Yeah. Where
3: it's like, I am here to mess up your lives and nothing will ever be the same again. Because that's the power I have. And that's that was something really special, I think.
0: I agree. Well, I, I felt I think- like he's such a villain. Like, yeah. when I was reading him, I was like, oh, I don't like you at all. <laughs>
2: His intro issue was one of my favorite single issues ever because so I was like, I was good. reading it and I, this was my first time through this run. So reading it, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Is he going to give up being Dr. Doom? Like what what's going on? And they really sell it. And then he so does not at all decide Sorry. not to be Dr. Doom. And it was like we have been saying, it was horrifying, which I... I feel like it's a lot of fun because going back and reading the Jack Kirby run of Fantastic Four, you realize that superhero comics weren't huge yet when Fantastic Four started coming out. And so it was a monster comic and a sci-fi comic.
1: Yeah. Like those oh, those wait. were the two things. Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but the reason they weren't a superhero comic was because DC had a copyright on the like the idea and term superhero. So for the first few arcs that they did they couldn't use the term superhero so that's why they were scientists in the first place and their uniforms were uniforms not costumes or anything that's so. fun i like that
0: i do kind of love their vibe that they've got oh yeah like they're, when they're very disgusting. mod yeah
2: <laughs> i i love them like mm-hmm. when alexis when you're talking about how stylish the new frontier is i feel like that is the vibe I like with Fantastic Four. I like them to feel a little bit out of time. I like them to feel like a Star Trek idealized futurism. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that would be a really fresh take for adaptation. We have a question about this later, Mm -hmm. but like I want them to feel like a retro futurist vibe of like, this is what hope for the future looks like. We're not gritty. We're not grounded. Like we're going to outer space, baby. And it's going to be funky. Like, (laughs) I like that vibe a lot.
1: Yeah, I hope they really lean into it. And I hope, like, the... I I think Alex Ross has that Fantastic Four comic coming out uh, sometime in the summer, maybe, like Mm -hmm. August. um, which I'm very excited for and It looks gorgeous, like, breathtakingly amazing. I have to have my hands on it. Um, So I'm really hoping that when Marvel's looking over what they want to do with the Fantastic Four, they really do look at, like, Alex Ross's design so far, Jack Kirby, this run. But I fear they're going to go with, like, the Hickman run, which is, like... Very grounded but also fantastical at the same time. And I love the Hickman run still. And same with the Miller run. I actually might be the only person that actually likes it. But I think both runs are more grounded, but for me it's a little bit too grounded. So I'd rather they go a little bit more fantastical um and sci-fi and Star Trekky.
2: I I'm just really done with dystopia, and I mm-hmm. feel like the Fantastic Four can bring us to Utopia in fiction mm-hmm. in a fun way.
3: Yeah. You know, <clears throat> We always joke like Marvel's owned by Disney now And that's a big bummer But hey if we're going to do a Fantastic Four movie under Disney Can we just go like full Tomorrowland on this shit Can we just I <laughs> Want this movie to feel like a Disney theme park In the best way In the, It just brings that like 50s vibes The 50s idea of what the future could be oh, To cinema just, yeah. I think that would so be great It would be the movie that Tomorrowland should have been
2: <laughs> That's
0: a good idea
2: I agree that that's a good idea Um yeah, Dr. Doom is a huge turning point of this series. Mm-hmm. So do we want to talk a little bit about the character of Dr. Doom
1: I in this run? I about Dr. Doom. All right, Evan, take it away. Talk to us about right. Dr. Doom. Let me start in the beginning. <laughs> Who is Dr. Doom? Now, um, I just found a week on Twitter like a few months ago talking about my favorite versions of Dr. Doom. And so this is one of my favorite versions. And he's so different from like the Hickman version, which to me, the Hickman version of Dr. Doom is peak Dr. Doom. Because he has the terror, he has a little bit of the campiness still. it's grounded but fantastical and he has a huge arc that overlaps like years and years of development and it's amazing. So um, just off the bat, I do think that's like the golden standard, but this version of Dr. Doom is just too much fun. He's like a great transitional period between the campiness of early doom to the more grounded version of doom that we have in, in modern comics. and he's also terrifying. But I think people don't like him because he does get very, very campy, which I think is perfect. I think it's perfect to balance the campiness with, like, the terrible, terrible things he's doing. Um, Like, he sends a child to hell. And um, the comic doesn't gloss over that, but somehow it still feels like it glossed over that. Because a child went to hell for, like, days on end and came out with only one issue worth of PTSD. So that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a rough issue. It was
0: a rough issue. Oh, I my was so God. sad. I was Are very poor, sad. This poor little Franklin. Leave him alone. Yeah.
3: <laughs> he's, just a, he's just a turtle. He's just a little turtle. <laughs> Leave
0: the turtle boy alone.
1: <laughs> but but yeah, I love this Doctor Doom. I think I also love his parallel with Reed Richards in the story. And I love the the whole arc is called Unthinkable. And the way that translates into the story is really cool about Because at first you're like, oh, it's unthinkable because what Dr. Doom is doing is unthinkable because he's setting a child to hell and he's torturing (laughs) his greatest enemies. Um, But then you realize it's unthinkable is um, Reed Richards changing his ways. And so you're like, oh, that's what's unthinkable in this arc. And then the end, last minute, it's actually about Dr. Doom changing his ways. That's the unthinkable part of it. So there's like a bunch of different ways to interpret that. And I think it really parallels um, Reed Richards desires and willingness to abandon his uh, faith in science versus the reasons Dr. Doom would do it. So where Dr. Doom sees, they both see each other as like egotistical maniacs and to an extent, they both are egotistical maniacs, but one is at the end of the day uh, guided by his family and the other one is by himself. And so I think that's a cool parallel that really contrasts each other and creates such a good foil that just develops the characters in new ways to me. I really like that a lot. I I was really shocked how biblical
2: this run got, mm. with ideas of redemption, ideas of faith and surrender to something higher than yourself. Um, I really like that you called Doom the adversary a minute ago because, <laughs> like, in Hebrew, the name that Satan that we have now in Hebrew is just the adversary, HaSatan, mm. and so like the idea of doom as this cast out version. Like he was cast out of the fantastic four heaven. He knew Mm. Reed. He was next to Reed. He was cast out and now he hates him and he's going to do everything he can to foil this larger happy plan in the same way that the adversary does. Like when you read Job, that Hasatan feels like Dr. Doom to me in this where you're like, damn you really are just a hater like everything about you is a hater you suck like your whole deal is just being a hater like go do your honestly. own thing and he's like honestly i'll wear this lady's skin if i have to to ruin this man's life i will ruin my own life to ruin a new life <laughs> i had one shot of happiness and i'm kidnapping a kid with it like that's some baller shit i'm not gonna lie i read that and i was it's like awesome. that is the hardest thing I've ever read in my life. Holy shit.
1: Bananas.
0: He is, he is a whole other level of hardcore asshole. That's for sure. Oh, yeah.
1: He is the most hardcore asshole
2: of all of them. Right. It's, it's actually an iron asshole. But, um... It's leather now,
1: but yeah. Oh. People leather. People leather. <laughs> One-eyed, one horror fly, people, people leather. Ah. <laughs> I, I'm shocked because
2: that could have gone so different tonally like mm-hmm. i feel like anyone else writes dr doom decides to make a leather costume out of his ex-lover like that sounds like a mark millar pitch that yeah. i would hate it sounds like something from ultimate comics it does go either way for me <laughs> but sometimes like somehow it felt scary and off-putting but it didn't feel like evil to me like what like no i mean like evil in the story but like the actual reading of the comic didn't make me feel icky inside didn't make Mm -hmm. me like why would you do that like this makes me feel dark and gross you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it just felt like oh like what oh a super villain shit what the hell (laughs) and i really liked it a lot and i'm surprised i liked it as much as i did i was worried
1: Mm -hmm. i think it's because it like builds up the body horror slowly like, we were talking about Modulus earlier, and when he uh, disintegrates Sue's hand yeah. <laughs> uh, into nothingness, which is terrifying. And even reading it now, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, I was like, how are they going to fix that?" I can't remember how. So that was, like, terrifying. But it was enough to ease you into, like, the idea that the, the comic's going to bounce back and forth between it. Um, so, and also, like, the the issue is one like a tragic tale and it's like very built up to it. But the one moment that it happens, it kind of happens over one page and then it's not really brought up again. It's hinted at throughout, but it's always hinted at with an air of sadness and tragedy to it, even from Doom's perspective. Uh, like Doom's talking to the demons and the demons are eating this woman and like goading him on basically. And you can see like it's hurting him that he has to watch this happen. But at the same time, he understands to himself why he had to do it. And then in his mind, it was the only thing he could do. So, for me, there's always that air of sadness and tragedy to it that the comic never lets out when discussing it. So, it never feels icky or gross or uh, sensationalized. It is icky and gross and evil, but, like, not (laughs) from the reading perspective.
0: (laughs) It's just different. You you take it a lot easier, I think, the way that Mm -hmm. they do it.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Hmm.
2: I also feel like Wearingo's art style helps, like, chocolate coat that,
4: bitter pill
3: yeah Yeah. especially when you look at like the art style for a lot of comics from marvel in the 2000s they get into like this really like dark and gritty very and and i'm saying this like personally i think it's just a very ugly art style and it makes things like this hit so much harder like i think to comics that come later in the 2000s like um the iron man run and the miss marvel run that are going to come and just how violence is depicted in some of those and it's, it hits you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable. So it's one of those ways where it's like art subtly does affect how you can view different scenes and different events happening. And that's one of the things I do really appreciate from, um, I can't say his name, I'm just going to say Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> from his artwork, it's just, it's great. Very appreciated. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it is a very nice break from, like, everything else that was happening, like you were saying. There's a lot of realism in comics that, in the early 2000s, they were trying to push to make themselves feel like the medium is being pushed in a more mature direction. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, Ultimate Comics was going out, and it was hitting so hard that the 616 side of things were like, well, we have to, like, try to keep up with this, which ended up killing the Ultimate Universe, ironically. Yeah. But, so this was, like, a great breath of fresh air, I think, during that come up.
3: And it's, I feel it slip a couple times, like I'm thinking about the dysfunctional art, the dysfunctional arc where Ramingo isn't on it. Mm, and yeah. it's the moment where I start noticing different things, like the one panel of Sue that's just like double caked up on a Tuesday. Just the ass shot. It's a giant splash page, and I'm like, why is my focus... In this one spot.
2: <laughs> there was there was one Ringo panel. Where Ben. Not as the thing. Was mm-hmm. talking. And Sue's ass was two thirds of the panel. And then like a oh, little gosh. Ben head over here. like, <laughs> And he was the focus of the panel. She was saying something to him. And it was just like ass. And Ben's um, head.
3: The amount of times that happens in a 2000s Marvel comic. Is unreal. <laughs> and... I could spend all day talking yeah. about it. But it's yeah.
2: oh. As someone who's double caked up, I will say <laughs> you're allowed to put my ass in the foreground mm-hmm. when Evan's talking. So he, <laughs> his head can be in the corner and it can be two thirds my ass. That's actually how we shoot What's yeah, Next. A comic. For anyone not watching What's Next, a comic book podcast on our, uh, we're on Kanye's streaming service he just created. Holy um, hell,
0: don't even go there.
2: The video version is just two thirds my ass and then Evan's head in the corner. Composed it's great. exactly like that. Yeah, it, it, it's a good time. Yeah, we got it animated
1: too, so you can see my <laughs> mouth moving and talking. Then uh, my butt cheeks moving and talking. cheeks <laughs> Content.
3: Content. <laughs> love that. I love where this
0: is going. Oh, can I just say the ultimate chill that went down my body when Valeria said doom? Yes. Said, Holy shit. That baby just said doom, and her mom looked like she shit her pants.
2: That was <laughs> awesome. I love that so much. I like. I knew it was coming too, I and said, it still hit too. so I hard. Like,
1: <gasps>
0: <gasps> I said, "You keep his name out your mouth." Oh.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
0: So so good. I love. I, uh, I'm sorry. That no, you're just good. Like, I was gonna I just say just... I
1: just love the relationship between Doom and Valeria, but go on. Yeah,
0: <sighs> me too. Me too. But I just like I'm kind of like flipping through. The issues that we're talking about right right now, and I think it's so scary how we're getting the panels of like Valeria playing with her blocks and like talking to <laughs> Doom in her mind, and like Franklin is just being banished to hell. Like they like man, like they go yeah. back and forth, and I'm like, wow, sibling goals. Good for you. <laughs>
2: That's me and Alexis me, actually. So-
0: there. Yeah.
2: Alexis possessed by a demon, and I'm living in hell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That literally was me in high school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that really was You're our just... life.
3: Oh, that's that's my one my one little negative about this is I think Valeria is my favorite member of the entire family, mm-hmm. is because I got to know her during the Hickman run where she's actually old mm. enough to talk and she's like Reed Richards level smart. Yeah. So you get this this child and she plays such a small role in this one. And I'm like, I need I need more of you. You're the absolute best. Please. <laughs> please. I need you to best. say more than just doom in this. Like from the moment she can start talking, when she starts saying her second word, she's going to start like quoting like quadratic formulas at you. That's how smart <laughs> she is.
0: I love it. It's because Reed just talks to her because he knows yeah. she won't talk back. Yeah. <laughs> That's where that comes from.
3: Valeria is the only person besides Doctor Doom who can actually understand what Reed Richards is saying half the time. Really? <laughs> that tracks. I thought that
2: Mark Wade did that really well. Actually, this is the first time I felt stupider than Reed Richards reading these comics, mm-hmm. and I just had to actively be like, "I bet what you just said just made sense." Good. And mm-hmm. it, it actually like took me a minute to get used to that. Like the first five issues, I was like, "There's something weird about this writing." Like I don't. I feel lost
1: a lot. And then I kind of was like, oh, that's the point. Like
0: Now you know how we feel when you talk, damn it.
1: Yeah, we ever do Hebrew conversations. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, oh, yeah, you're so welcome, smart and beautiful. To, welcome what to what normal you life. Hey, y'all can shut up.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I got just, I got more Hebrew to say at the end of this, so.
3: We're just impressed. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: good the that's amount good.
0: of conversations i have had with my poor little boyfriend he goes you know i really like your brother i just don't think i'm smart enough to talk to him <laughs> <laughs> he said that I to like, me i like carson he's a good one I know. I know especially that TikTok you sent me the other day making fun of his intelligence <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anne and I hey, are like true? passive ob- observers right now. I was yeah. like, what's yeah. Going
3: yeah. On? Family brawl. We enjoy every second. We it here. was
2: with love. Yeah, welcome to the Fantastic Four, actually, where uh, <laughs> the siblings are fighting and the other two are like, ugh. Oh. Uh,
1: are we still going on an adventure or are y'all going to have some <laughs> drama for a minute? Sweet Aunt What a revolting <laughs> development. Stu and
0: Johnny over here just <laughs> hating each other.
3: Ah,
1: true. Can I can see- we-
3: Oh. I, oh, I was. I just love how, for a little bit in this run, Sue got to actually feel like Johnny's brother. Like she had a little bit of an impish streak, where she streak, which she's just like pranking that poor um, publicist who's with them, and that was so fantastic. I'm like, please, please, I wish this would continue. It doesn't, but I really liked it when it was happening. <laughs> so That's often, actually, Sue's, Oh, go for it, Evan. No, sorry, go. Say- go, go, go. So often Sue's written as like the mature and the responsible mother. She had to raise Johnny, and now she's raising two kids of her own. It's nice to see her act like an actual person. Mm-hmm. If it is just for a couple issues, yeah, <laughs> no, she's just having a good time. <laughs> she's just having a good time. Do we want to segue? Her.
2: Do we want to segue talking into Sue, or do we want to go down the Reed train next?
1: Ooh, I want to talk about. It. I wanted to talk about Sue because I felt like that was a natural next step. But if we want to stay okay. positive, we should talk about Reed Richards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a lot of negative to say about Reed when he becomes a dictator. So, okay. yeah. Let's,
2: let's start right. with Sue.
3: Yeah, let's do that. Right. Okay.
2: So, and let's, continue your thought. I'm sorry yeah. I interrupted you. Talk oh, to us about just, Sue Storm in this run.
3: Um, It's so hard. It's Sue Storm is a character I love on On the basis of she is the woman in this run who has to put up with so much shit and she's, I feel like she's the person who's supposed to be holding this team together but she's also the character who breaks my heart the most because I feel like there's so much more you could be doing with this but no one lets you do it. Mm. She And I get my friends like Dallas will send me pictures when he's reading through stuff like the early Lee and Kirby run where Sue is very much treated like very like she's very like talked down to and demeaned. She's the quote unquote the woman of the team. She does the womanly things. She does like cooking clean. She's like, Oh, I have to watch out for you boys type of stuff. And like, it's, it's you know, something for the time. And I like that in some way she's evolved past that. By the time we get to this run, people kind of recognize like, Oh, she's actually the most powerful of the, the group. Like, I like the line where Doom's like, I always knew you were the most powerful of the four. So that's nice. But I still feel like there's moments she doesn't get the same character growth and arc that a lot of the others get. Like, Johnny's arc through this is him learning to be responsible, trying to figure out how to be more than just the hothead playboy that a lot of people see him as. Reeds is trying to come to terms with his own arrogance, his own sense of, like, being better than. And Ben has his constant, you know, trying to deal, one, with being in the body that he's in, but also understanding that there's you know some benefits to it but sue i feel like gets typecast a lot as just like she's the mother of you know two children and that's about her role for a lot of the run it feels like i don't we don't get a lot of sue focused issues and i don't think we got any really sue focused issues in this run whenever she's in the center it's always because we're talking about franklin or valeria or about her relationship to reed
2: I feel like Sue falls into a trap where she... Because even like like reading the Kirby and Lee stuff, Sue is miles better than any of the other women they wrote.
4: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, like when you compare Betty Brant and Sue Storm, you can tell there's like an effort to show a powerful, capable woman. But it comes she doesn't get to be multifaceted and I feel like this is the same thing coming from 2007 where like she has some badass moments and the Mm -hmm. comic goes out of its way to tell you Sue storm is strong and cool, but the undercurrent, the subtext is always still Sue storm is the mother of the group. Mm -hmm. Like it really, really hit me when Johnny got to see everyone with omniscient eyes and everybody had like, these super multifaceted parts to themselves. Yeah. Like Reed was explorer, scientist, loving father, great friend. Ben was, again, like uncle of the year, like heart of gold, the glue of the team. And then Sue was a mother five different ways.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And and then I even like I read interviews from Mark Wade where he said like he wanted to try to focus on making Sue a badass. And I was, I was talking with my wife and I was like, it's it's frustrating because you can tell they want to try, but I just, I don't know why they're failing. And my wife's like, I think this credit to Addison Black, everyone, she's very smart, but she's like, women don't get to be multifaceted. Mm-hmm. She's like, they get typecast as one thing in these stories. And so Reed is like the badass mom, like, and neither of those things are bad. It's just, she doesn't get to be everything else that mm-hmm. she should be as well.
3: And it's, it's hard because I I think to stuff like what happens with Reed in this, like he goes to some really dark places. He goes to some, he goes to the edge so many times and you don't get to do that with female characters. They don't get to have those moments where they go to the edge, where they're like that out there, because then you have something like the Carol Danvers effect where that single moment will haunt them for the next, you know, five to 10 years of their, their publication history. And it's just—it's such a weird thing where it's like I, there's has to be layers to Sue that we aren't seeing. She has to have the same complexities as Johnny does. She has to have the same complexities that Reed does. Like she's she's someone who had to assume a mature role when she was a child. You know, Mm -hmm. she spent her whole life taking care of someone. There has to be like a mental strain there. We have to see like she has to be someone who's like um all of a sudden I'm thinking about like Encanto like surface pressure she has to be like that person for the group where she just it you can't see it but you know it's there and I get that there's like this big push to make her like badass but there has to be more you have to be able to show women as more than just like oh she can kick ass that's good enough right that's enough progress it's it's so much more than that and I think Addie is completely right sometimes writers just don't know that they're not adding enough Mm -hmm. if that makes sense i feel like they just subconsciously treat these characters a little bit different and it keeps it pops up a lot especially in this time period which is why i always think it's really nice to get female characters from a female perspective because often you see more layers there than you would otherwise than we have before with these characters and it's one of the reasons i'm interested to go back and see how wade treats her in the mini that came out just a few years ago to see if that's advanced any because i want to see what he does with her when it's just her to focus on
1: yeah yeah
0: and the yeah. extra oh sorry you go
1: oh i was gonna just say that the extra frustrating part about the run is that there is a moment where i was like oh we're finally going to get sue storm being this capable or like not just even capable of having a arc uh and it's the last arc uh in it where um it's really focused on her and she's like, has to have a decision of sacrificing herself for the greater good, which is a cool moment. But then I feel like her arc is immediately stripped away in order to favor Johnny storm after that, mm-hmm. because Johnny, they switch powers to like save Stu, Sue, but then Galactus shows up anyway and calls in his, uh, wants Sue as his herald, but, well, he wants invisibility powers as uh, his champion or herald, so he just grabs the person who has that, which just so happens to now be Johnny Storm instead of Sue. But there was an opportunity there to have Sue be the one to lead the group and have the same exact arc, or at least a similar arc as Johnny in that, with um, maybe a different kind of focus on responsibility, and instead show what she means to the team and what her absence means and what their memories are. Because there's that moment in, the, I think, the second issue of that arc, or maybe the first one, where Sue, Ben... And Reed have flashbacks to moments with Johnny that are really uh, enlightening about his character and the relationships with them. How Johnny is like this, is a certain type of person that they expect, but always surpasses their expectations by um, caring about them. Like when he gets uh, Sue a Mother's Day gift because she's the one that looks after him, or when he's helping Ben out on a date by telling him to just go in for the kiss. Uh, so there's moments like that where I was like, these are really great moments that build up Johnny and his relationship with the team. But we already did that. Throughout the entire run, and he already had his responsibility arc, so he's getting both of these again. While Sue got neither of those throughout the whole thing, and it's been pretty much undermined um throughout everything she did. Like when they're in heaven, she's getting told like her belief system is maybe be wrong, and Reed's totally glossing over how that's affecting her, and then Reed's super right in the end. So Sue gets zero validation, zero help throughout the entire arc, doesn't get a single arc. And is really just there to, like, bounce off a of read going, like, are you sure about this? And we can go, I am pretty sure, but maybe I'm not. And the story going, is he sure? And then the story going, yeah, he's super correct. And he's Reed Richards. So, and that happens throughout the entire run. And it's very frustrating to me because I love the Fantastic Four and I love Sue. But historically, she's never gotten any type of love. And I remember complaining about this on Twitter. And someone being like, well, in the Burn run, like, everything changes. So you can't really complain. And I was like, yo, shut up. What are you talking about? Like, things changed for the better, but also not in any type of significant way. Um, So, like, I feel like these complaints are totally validated. And I don't think we see, like, a very capable Sue until – I have to reread the Miller and Hickman run, but I think the Hickman run is really the first time I remember seeing Sue in the – like, in equal standings as her peers – and even then, I think she's still lacking in comparison, but at least she has, like, memorable things to do. So, it's just a very, very frustrating perspective because there's four characters. There's only four characters in this roster that they go through all the time. And instead of ever giving Sue any type of spotlight, they always do the Ben story, they always do the Johnny story, and they always do the Reed story. And when I say that, you know exactly what I'm saying. You're, you know I'm saying that we're doing Ben is, uh, I'm alone and I'm scary and blah, 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 which is a great arc. And we get that every single run because every single writer wants to do the same thing over and over again. So it's a very story subject to me because I love this family and I follow them my entire life to just one day realize that Sue's not getting the same attention as them and definitely 100% could be. And it's even more of a sore subject because the only time I saw her getting any type of arc or love is in the Ultimate Comic Universe, which is somewhere where you don't expect that for women. <laughs> so the fact that the 616 can't keep up with the Ultimate Comics in the representation of one of their most popular, or at least their, one of their most biggest female characters, is insane to me. So that's my rant. <laughs> Sorry for taking up that much time about it. I wasn't expecting that to happen. But... No,
0: it's Okay. I I do have to say, I kind of wanted to piggyback a little bit off of the part where Johnny and Sue switch powers. Mm-hmm. If The whole run, I have to say that is the most part, like that little part right there is the part that I could not stand. Mm-hmm. The part where like she, even just with her, like to focus on her through that part, when she has Johnny's powers, the amount of times that Reed and Ben are like, Sue, you're too hot. You need to calm down. Like, you're being too emotional. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, what in the <laughs> hell are you talking about? Like, leave her alone. And, like, the way that they made it seem like she just couldn't handle Johnny's powers. But then on the other side, like, Johnny's like, this is fantastic. I love this. Look at me. Like, I'm invisible. I'm like, oh, yep. Okay, that's a big old makes me want to jump off a cliff um so that just that really rubbed me the wrong way especially because there's like the scene where they're on the rooftop and she's not even like flaming like she's not even doing anything but they're like sue you're a little too hot you need to calm down i'm like okay bitch shut up (laughs) so i feel i feel that that was my little (laughs) preach
3: no, that was such such a good perspective. And it's, it sucks because we all want Sue to be as big as the others. Yeah. And I feel like some writers are like, if we if we just give her the powers, if we let her use her powers in creative ways, that's enough advancement. But it's really not. And I part of me wants to go back and revisit more modern runs, especially Hickman's, because I'm like, I want to... Because I know I'm going to view it from a different perspective than I did the first time I read it several years ago. And I want to see what it does with her. And then I want to go on to other runs. And I want to see if we've gotten any closer in the, you know, what has it been? Like 15 years since this run?
2: Yeah.
3: And part of me is nervous because I feel like the answer is still going to be no.
2: <laughs> she definitely is not. I love the dance Slott run of Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I am in the minority there. But I... Better, but not much better. Is how I would say the treatment of Sue is. I think he has a great read, a great Johnny, and a great Ben. Just like Evan said. And <laughs> we have yet to have the great Sue story. And I think for me, it really boils down to any improvement, in quotation marks, to Sue Storm is often external. They crank her powers. They show how she's a force to be reckoned with. But there is hardly ever an internal improvement to mm. Sue Storm. They refuse, these writers refuse to give an internality to Sue Storm that we see in characters like Johnny, like Ben, like Reed. We know what's going on in their head. We know why they are the way they are. We know their emotions and their emotions are valid to the story. When Ben Grimm has a temper tantrum, we are shown the emotional range that he has and why we should empathize with that temper tantrum Mm. when Sue if she's ever allowed to have emotions that aren't just doubting Reed or really supporting Reed, we're not given that same internality. The story then goes like, ugh, women. <laughs> and I would love, I would love after Dan Lot to let the fantastic four be written by a woman because I would love for there to be a character defining storyline that shows the internality of Sue. Cause I feel like once it's on the page, Writers will see and be like, oh, damn, why didn't we think of that? Mm -hmm. You know, because honestly, I feel like Jonathan Hickman did a lot for Reed Richards that has stuck around since. Where all of a sudden people were like, oh, yeah, Reed isn't all of that. You know, I feel like honestly, Mark Wade did a lot for Johnny Storm in this where people are like, oh, okay, there's a lot to that. Ben Grimm has always been the main character of the Fantastic Four from its inception. I want... I want the run that gives us Sue's internality because I think it will stick. I just think people don't... I think a lot of these 40-year-old men that are writing this, frankly, don't know how to write the internality of women in a way that would be meaningful in the Fantastic Four.
0: Yeah, I will say, I do think it's kind of interesting to kind of bring up another little piece of the beginning of this run. We get to see their, their thought of a sue independent moment where she goes on that adventure with reed's (laughs) ex-girlfriend and like that they're like this is her this is her most emotions like look she's jealous like look at this and then in the reality it's like no that just means that reed was being a dick like come on Like, (laughs) like like we it kind of like makes a round of way back to like oh yeah reed is the person we're talking about here like she doesn't like her independent moment and, like, her independent story is, like, okay, yeah, no, it just basically is a roundabout way of them making it another read story, which I was, like, okay, that's kind of gross. But I thought that was comical, the little the little Lara Croft adventure that they went on and hated yeah. each other the whole time. I was, like, oh, okay, that was unnecessary. necessary.
1: I also – I kind of do like the way at the end they still hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> because I think, like, uh, a different story would have been, like, oh, you know what? We both love the same man, and, like, at the end of the day – we're part of his life, and we have to deal with each other. So we should be friends. So for them to end by being like, yeah, I still hate your guts. Get out of my house. I, <laughs> yeah, one, like, I won. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's, it shouldn't have been about reading and everything, but at the same time, I was like, I thought that was very funny.
0: Yeah, that, that was funny. It was funny and a little bit shady, but it was, yeah.
1: it was <laughs> I want to say, like,
2: I think I've read runs where people don't like sue storm like the writer you're like oh you hate women Mm. i don't think that's where mark wade is like i really think mark wade was trying his best and i think he just at this point in his career in 2006 and 2007 i don't feel like he was bringing the tools to the table necessary to give us the sue storm that we wanted yeah and i I can't speak to his modern writing of sue storm i didn't read the mini i would hope it's improved i'm not trying to say mark wade is an evil man that hates women I'm just saying like these are these are issues that are across all the great runs of Fantastic Four that I've read, yeah, and so like I'm not trying to punch down at this run specifically yeah. as much as like vent a frustration about Sue Storm because mm. she has the most potential, I feel like of all of them, and she just keeps getting
1: squandered, which is why I always say she should be away from that team for a while. I think if she was on the Avengers for a little bit, uh, not even leading, but if she's on the Avengers, or if she joined the Ultimates. I think there's a lot of potential for her to find a way to expand that has not do with the family or her brother or her best friend or her husband.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I think, I think it sucks that you have to separate her from the family to do that. And I don't think you have to, but I think that's the easiest way to get a writer to think outside the box. I also think
2: it would be helpful to the fantastic four at this point to show all the men having to be parents to those kids Yeah, because like, I mean, that's just a societal problem in general is like dad's babysit. And these are air quotes, everyone. Mm -hmm. That's babysit their kids. It's like, fuck you, dude. You're a parent. You're the dad. You're not like the amount of times at work. I hear guys I work with like, oh, i got to fucking babysit my kids this weekend. I was
1: like, did you hear the words you just said? (laughs) Moron. I think an ideal situation would be if Sue stepped out and she Hulk came in for a run. And then the men are like, all right, we'll do this. But who's going to watch the kids? And they all kind of look at she Hulk and she's like. Why would I watch the kids? Do you mm-hmm. see me? What, what about me? What
0: the hell? Aren't
1: you? Aren't you their father? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, like, well, I, I have to funny. do that. Like, no, no, no! I'll do that. <laughs> Give
2: me the buttons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I think like, that has a lot of potential.
1: I think so too. Kelly Thompson, call me.
3: For an entire arc, after we get like a bunch of female guest characters who come in and just give like read the cold shoulder, and he's like, "Did she tell you?" He's like, "Yeah, we <laughs> heard what you fucking said." <laughs> shitty wife swap? Where yeah. he just gets a new wife that hates him.
2: <laughs> they could even bring Medusa in, and Ooh. she could be like. Ooh. I am not going to be the mom. Are you kidding me? Because oh, yeah. I love Medusa. Yeah. She's Even though queen. she was literally the babysitter. <laughs> yeah, at Medusa is the
3: best babysitters in the universe. What's Black Bolt doing?
2: Yeah. <laughs> screaming at the kids. <laughs> yeah. <way. laughs>
3: Just turning them into a put- a puddle. <laughs> you cannot tell me that like Triton has something or what's it- is it? Triton is that his name? Fish boy from the Inhumans. Sure, yeah, why not? Sure. Fish boy from the Inhumans. You ca- <laughs> Uncle man What is he doing? You cannot tell me he has better things to do. Get his ass on this. He's the babysitter. <laughs>
2: frankly, frankly, I'm gonna throw it out. I think Lockjaw is the best babysitter okay, in yeah, the Marvel yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you remember him babysitting Kamala Khan for, like, half of that run. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) He did a great job.
3: Lockjaw's my favorite. He's the only inhuman who hasn't committed war crimes, so I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yes. Lockjaw looking hungrily at Earth. I've seen his eyes.
2: Can you imagine being a eugenicist and then you turn into a dog?
3: Like, your whole
2: whole society is like, we're really into eugenics. They're like, now we're going to do the experiment on you. And he turns into a fucking dog. (laughs) You'd be like... This is what you did to me.
1: <laughs> I never considered the history of Lockjaw once in my life, and I always just assumed he was a dog that was inhuman. <laughs> that is insane to me that they turned i a, am assuming a Cree—into a dog. Is that what happened?
2: I mean, I might be talking out of my ass, but I kind of thought the Inhumans go into the Terrigen and get powers. Yeah, I assume someone went into the Terrigen and <laughs> came out a dog.
3: Was no, like, he was he's he was born from an exper an inhuman's experimentation on canines. So he's filming a dog.
1: Okay.
2: Boo. Less yeah, fun. Less, less fun. interesting. Boo. When I'm the president, people. <laughs> when I'm the president of Marvel Comics, we're mm-hmm. gonna fix that. Hell
3: yeah. <laughs> You're gonna fix Lockjaw? <laughs>
2: That's yep. I mean. This two storm stuff's above my pay grade, but I'm fixing Lockjaw. <laughs>
1: I think as a man, I have a lot to say about Sue Storm. Yeah, that as... I can write right. Uh. <laughs> yup. Oh. I'm a perfect candidate. Should we
2: transition into talking about Reed, Sue Storm's yes, sidekick? Yes. Sue Storm's yes. sidekick, the person that props up her story, Reed and Richards. And babysitter. <laughs> and her babysitter, Best Reed babysitter. Richards. Uh, the real mother of the team, Reed Richards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I've really hated him for the very first part of this. Well, Dang. not first, but the little middle bit. Mm-hmm. I was like this bit. That's a rotative
2: action. Mm-hmm. Talk us to about us it. talk to us about Alex. Yeah.
0: I well, as someone who never really had an experience with him but kind of got the understanding of him being the number one hero trope of the of the group, I I was very shocked. I was like, what is this man doing? Like I think that the effect that they wanted to have with those was definitely met in me. I was like, what am I reading? I don't want to read this anymore. I am over it. This guy's being the worst. Why is he being mean to his family? Why is he blowing off his wife? Like, come on now. He just he just wants to live in this castle all by himself, doesn't he? Like <laughs> asshole. <laughs> but yeah, because he he really just goes in and like takes over a whole country and is like, Yeah, this is mine. This is mine now. <laughs>
2: I, I was exploring um, something the other day with friend of the pod, Brian McDermott. We were on our way to go see the Batman, and we talked about the ugly to evil scale, where we were like, Marvel Comics oh. has taught me one thing, where the uglier you are, the more evil you will become. And so Reed <laughs> became a little bit ugly, and then he became evil. But I would posit that the graph for evil to, uh, to good is actually a U-shape,
4: mm-hmm. where the
2: most evil people are a 5 hod. Because they're angry that they're not hot enough. And so they're evil. <laughs> I've never met a two. Like, a two on the hot scale has never been evil. They're always like, ah, mm-hmm. it's a me. Yep. I'm two. I'm <laughs> ugly. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I love Leech. <laughs> exactly. But, like, if you're a five, like, like, Reed Richards gets half of his face fucked. He's like, I'm a six now. And now I'm going to ruin everyone's day. Blah. <laughs> Like, Doctor Doom becoming a villain simply because he has... I like the version of him that has, like, a little simple scar. Yeah. Like, he's, like, barely wounded, and he's like, I'm gonna fuck up the world for this.
0: (laughs) It's
2: me. Because, honestly, I relate to that. I get a single pimple in a day. I take one bad picture, and I'm like, I'm gonna make this everyone's problem for weeks. (laughs) He does. So I like that Reed became ugly for six issues and then became a fascist. Yep. Like ben Grimm, <laughs> ben Grimm got turned into a rock monster and never became a fascist.
0: <laughs> he can't, he can't yes. touch anything yes. ever again.
2: Again, wait for the Evan Von Doom run of Fantastic Four.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going to have Thing Fascism, Zoo Storm doing things, and also She Hulk will be there for sure. And Namor will be very sexy with a tear away.
3: Sold. <laughs> uh, I got to be honest. I. I was loving this run. I was like breezing through it like easy peasy. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever read. And then I hit that authoritative action arc and I slowed to a crawl mm-hmm. where I'm like, mm-hmm. this is suddenly uncomfortable. Mm. I feel like there's a lot, you know, happening in real life right now that made it a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot in the dialogue that made it uncomfortable. Like the line where... um. <laughs> Reed is telling Nick Fury, this isn't Iraq. We can't just <laughs> invade it. And I'm like, oh, this is definitely from a time. It's always funny when you read a comic that's, like, from your lifetime, and you're like, this is dated. I feel ancient now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that time is 2021. Turn on CNN for five minutes, and they'll be like, <laughs> Ukraine isn't Iraq. I mean, we can't just invade it. Like, that was straight from yesterday's headlines so oh that that was bold.
3: <sighs> yeah. it's And it's... It's hard. It gets it gets really difficult for a second. And I don't know if you know this, but Wade was actually fired halfway through this run. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Right about this, they wanted a different team to come in right after Authoritative ended and start a new like um. They called it a blue collar Fantastic Four, where they're like, we're gonna take them out of the tower. They're gonna go do their own thing, and then like um, <laughs> Wade's like, okay, I'm done. And Ringo was like, okay, I quit in solidarity. And they're like, oh Wait a um wait a minute. (laughs) Then I think the editor who had them fired was fired himself. So they're like, actually, wait, you can stay. (laughs) Keep doing your thing.
1: I can't imagine the run ending there. If the run ended there, I would probably dislike this run or not think about it as much outside of the Unthinkable and Modulus arcs. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it saved itself a little bit by going back to classic uh, shenanigans afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yes, Dallas, you have your (laughs) hand up.
2: Um, He got fired after Unthinkable. And he was far enough ahead. He had already written authoritative action. Yeah, he was like seven issues ahead. And so then there was literally no break in between issues. He was fired and rehired, and authoritative action still came out on time. Yep, so that's how far ahead they all. So
3: were. Sorry, that was yeah. That's my fault. I'm looking at the interview now. I, I misspoke. It was authoritative action.
2: Okay. Uh, sorry, Thank I didn't mean to be a well. Act- I didn't. I didn't mean to be like a will <laughs> that is actually guy. But
0: Dallas's whole freaking life. He loves to correct people.
3: Ask our <laughs> the mother about reply it. Guy. Dallas um, doesn't know what I mean, not what I say.
2: My mom my mom's nickname for me as a kid was actually. Because she said it was like one of my first words when I was like six years old. I just no,
0: no. first yeah. word when I was
2: six. Uh, no.
0: You have you had four years to yourself to torment that woman.
2: I did. And then I she, came and
0: saved everyone.
2: She was like, Yeah, you'd be there. And then just this toddler would be like,
0: actually, mom.
2: And then like She's like, the worst part was you were usually right, but I was sick of raising a prick. <laughs> and I was like, honestly, it's a mood, mom. That's a mood. I hate raising a prick too. And I'm raising me at this point. <sighs> I, I know one of Mark Wade's goals going into this run, he said he wanted to write the run that made Reed Richards
1: people's favorite character. Do you feel like he was successful Mom. in that? <laughs> no, <laughs> Dude,
0: I hate I think him so much.
1: He saved Reed a lot in comparison to other things that were happening. Like Civil War happened, I think after this, right? Civil War was two thousand four mm-hmm. or something. So, uh, in comparison to like Civil War or I think even Miller's run or whatever the hell is happening in Ultimate Comics, um, he and everything that happened before with Reed, where he was just a total asshole, he definitely saved him in comparison to that, but so many people still hold this uh, idea that Reed Richards is just a terrible person who only cares about himself and science and that his family comes second. So I think in isolation, this run does do a good job of proving that wrong. If that's your idea Mm -hmm. of who Reed Richards is, Uh, unless you stop at uh, authoritative, whatever it's called that arc after unthinkable, because then I do kind of think that it misses the mark. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's definitely hard to say. I can see someone coming out with either perspective from that, but for me, it's very hard to say that Reed doesn't love his family unconditionally, even after the first issue. If you read the fir- if you read the first issue, you have to come away with that thought about Reed, um, yeah. even regardless of what
3: you might think after reading
1: every other arc. So. Uh, yeah.
3: I really think I was buying into Reed straight through unthinkable. Like one of my favorite things about that whole arc was the fact that to figure out magic, Reed had to basically debase himself and admit that he doesn't know everything. Yeah. I love that. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to, I'm going to be mean to myself. And that's how I unlock the fancy magic powers. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. It's like, Oh, now now it makes sense why you couldn't think of this before. Yeah. But right after to go straight from that to authoritative action, that, it just it sets back a lot of the goodwill, even though you understand by the end of the arc where he's going with it, it definitely is a bit of a harder one to get through.
1: Yeah, especially since, like like you were saying, Unthinkable, the whole thing about Unthinkable is him saying, oh, I have to like show a little bit of humility and realize that I don't know everything and maybe not understanding everything is okay. Mm-hmm. And then immediately the next arc, he's like, I know everything, this is the only way to do this. So I feel like, Both of those arcs could have worked separately in different areas, but I don't think they worked, especially going one after the other. See, I think it's
2: really interesting for him to like learn that lesson and then to feel like he gets fucked over by doom anyway at the end, like doom getting the last laugh of unthinkable. I feel like really sets Reed up for authoritative action. Mm -hmm. So I actually really like the back to back. I like him Learning, growing, and then Doom like getting a sucker punch and then read retracting all of that, being like, never fucking mind. Like (laughs) I got hurt, I like my family got hurt. Nope. That lesson is gonna go bye bye, and we're gonna do this old fashioned Reed Richards way. And then it has to be his family that teaches him that lesson the second time. And like with Ben's death, I feel like he really has to be like, Oh, I had to learn that lesson twice. And I I like that 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 rang true for me, uh, but that's just my personal opinion on that.
1: That's fair too.
0: Yeah, Ben's Ben's death was also a kick in the pants. That was a little that was a little aggressive for no reason.
2: Lex, what do you think of Ben Grimm?
0: I love Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like he. I really feel like I I get him. I feel like he's written in a way that makes a lot of sense because you can tell from the get-go that he's a very, very sweet, caring person on the inside. He always has been. That's the way he was raised. And I like to see... I like how they still portray, like, the fact that sometimes his... Like, what happened to him does get to him. And I like that. I feel like I like that he is one of those characters that's like, yeah, this sucks ass. Like I did not, I got the short end of the stick on this one, but that's okay. Like I just get to hang out with my friends now. Like, I don't know. Like that's how I feel like his mentality is. And I don't blame him for his temper tantrum moments. Like I feel like it's kind of fair. Like I, I would give him a pass on that when he's grouchy and angry. Um, I love his commentary with Johnny. I love how they love to hate each other. Um, some of my favorite moments of their relationship specifically was when Johnny was made the financial officer and Ben had to go to him for his allowance and Johnny would just like disappear out of the office. The one where he had like made like a scarecrow version of himself to put in his chair made me laugh so hard. And I was like, that's just great. Like, it's just, it's just so funny. It's great.
2: I really liked the reveal that Johnny had been the Yancey Street Gang. Mm -hmm. forever because like Lex that's something from the 1960s Ben Grimm has been getting pranked regularly from these mean kids from his neighborhood growing up and so the reveal that it's been Johnny the whole time like pranking him for 40 years at that point I was like this is brilliant
0: (laughs) I love this that was that was funny
3: uh, that whole issue where Ben's just going to go put the hurt on some kids, and Johnny's like, "Oh no, oh no, oh no, I can't do that. I need to stop him." That was such such a great issue. My, I think my favorite moments from this run are the like standalone issues. I think those are the ones that really get into the characters that really stand out. And every like, I know we keep hitting the same note with Ben, but it's it's such a good note. <laughs> this is a guy who has more strength than I can possibly imagine because like as someone who knows what it's like to feel like you're in the wrong body it sucks and to, to have Ben be like well if I'm in this I can help people so I'm going to stick with it that is a strength that I don't know if I would possess that is remarkably incredible he's an inspirational character oh yeah
2: i think he's one of the best fictional characters ever created mm-hmm. like larger than comics larger than anything I I think he is Jack Kirby's masterpiece. Um, yeah. For the guy that inspired Star Wars, like Jack, we have pop culture because of Jack Kirby. And I still think the most important thing he ever did was create Ben Grimm. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and because I think there's a visceral moment of like, I think most people have moments where you aren't necessarily happy with everything about yourself. And Ben Grimm is the example that like, Of radical self-acceptance of saying like, there are things you might not like about yourself, but like focus on the things you do like about yourself. Turn your weaknesses into strengths, like turn to the people around you. And there's just something that is very lovable to me about like the rough around the edges, heart of gold, blue collar character. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, that's Ben Grimm. I feel like I want to be
1: like Ben Grimm when I grow up, you know? Mm Yeah. I just, yeah, I Ben him. is one of my favorite characters, like I said, in all of comics, if not my favorite character, hands down. Um, and it's just because he's the most relatable character I think I've ever encountered. Like people always go to Peter Parker as like the most relatable character, but I don't think he's as relatable as people actually think he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people see him as um, a meek type of nerd character, recluse. Um and they always forget about like, the hidden anger in Peter. So when they're trying to relate to him, I don't think they think about that aspect of him. Where for me, that's more relatable. That's like the part of Peter Parker that is relatable is that you have this character that has like a kind of a little bit of rage inside of him that he doesn't always express uh, correctly. So him and even Dick Grayson has that too, which I think is something that gets erased a lot uh, in <clears throat> modern runs, I would say. Um, but <laughs> that's for a different time. But Ben Grimm is a character that's pretty consistently, except for like maybe during the Stan Lee run, um, where he's pretty consistently just a relatable character who you can always see yourself in in one way or another. And everything he does, like every temper tantrum he throws or any time he punches a wall or like storms down the street to destroy a a pie shop because he got a bad prank, um, every time... (laughs) he does one of those things you kind of see the ridiculousness in it but at the same time you see yourself in it because you could see exactly how you would react and it's just so empathetical and yeah. that's not a lot you don't see that in a lot of characters where anyone could just attach themselves to him them right away
3: i'm i'm so glad you bring that up because i feel like a lot of people overlook like it's harder for people to get into a character like the thing because on a surface level it doesn't feel like a character that's going to click i see so many more people relating to saying something like oh i relate really well to batman because he's just a guy <laughs> and I'm like it's it's deeper than that there's more to these characters than just just a guy you yeah. know and and ben fits a lot of those niches for me everyone's had that moment where they're like life sucks life's not fair how do I make the best of this? And sorry for bringing up the Batman, but it's, you know, topical or whatever.
1: Man, I just love that. The Batman. Don't I we all?
3: Don't start. No. no. I
1: loved the Batman.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I love, love, yep. love. Yep. <laughs> no spoilers, but it was very the Batman and I very much enjoyed it.
3: It, <laughs> it was a movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Shit was deeply baddish. Oh man! Yeah, I would even say there was a few cats in that movie. There,
2: there were wink, wink. Riddle couple. me, riddle me this, Anne and Lexi. Did you mm-hmm. like the Batman?
0: Eh, it's, I'll I will mean, die on my hill.
3: It's it's a Batman movie. What do you want? You know, you guys are it's literally the worst.
2: Um, definitely.
1: Incorrigible. That's we can have next things. But bringing it back to um, the podcast at hand, um, I do think the Wade Run does something interesting where it, a lot of it of the characters have like an internal rage going on inside of them that is expressed in different ways. Um, Ben is very like the obvious one. And so is Johnny, but he's like very hot headed and um, that comes out very like um, through his pranks and through his immaturity and reluctance to grow and everything. But then you see like Reed finally break and snap on people or, um, Whenever Doom like showed up, how every character immediately just got everything that they were hiding like behind like their mask and everything immediately came to the surface and boiled over like right away. And for better or worse, Sue also like has a lot of emotional, angry or sad moments where she's freaking out because her kids are in danger, or she's screaming at Johnny because she doesn't understand his plan yet, um, or she's screaming at Reed because he doesn't understand his plan yet, or she's screaming at the thing because he doesn't understand his plan yet so i think there's a lot of like internal rage here that wade tried to tap into for better or worse i don't think it always worked especially with like sue but i think it was something that was um thematically resonant
2: i think mark wade's treatment of the thing i don't think i would cite this as like one of the thing runs you know like i i love jack kirby's the thing I do think it's funny you bring up. I think sometimes Stan Lee undermines the thing because the thing is so clearly Jack Kirby. I feel like sometimes I feel like sometimes it's a character of like a very angry little man. And I was like, "Are you throwing shade? Like, what's going on here?" Because it's, like, he's in the room,
3: have you seen the "What If" cover where it's like, "What if the Marvel bullpen was the Fantastic Four? Because Kirby is the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so I think the
2: thing in retrospect, has become like a love letter to Jack Kirby a little mm. bit, where I feel like people write what they love about Jack and what they love about what he did to comics through the thing. Um, and so I think that's what made the thing's trip to heaven so meaningful. Mm. I like that, For me, that was the high point of the run was their trip to the afterlife. Do we want to talk a little bit
1: about about that yeah yeah um just to start it off i thought it was really cool that they used jack kirby to be uh the face of god um i like that it was it was a little unexpected and i like that everyone in the family kind of went you're just like a dude and he's just like "Eh, i am what i am to you like, okay whatever And they kind of moved on from that but just like the meta perspective i think it was a very good way of highlighting jack kirby's um role in marvel comics and the creation of these characters and what we love about them uh, i think it was maybe a little i don't know if i like reed going to heaven um, i can't explain exactly why i think it kind of brings him to a spot that he can't come back from in terms of like accepting that magic is real because um, you can't go to heaven and shake hands with your creator and acknowledge it that it is your creator and then go back the next run saying that magic is stupid and science rules, uh, Dr. Strange rules and all that. So, and that's kind of what happened is like immediately after this run, everyone forgot that Reed Richards went to heaven or acknowledged that magic is something that he just doesn't understand. And then he's back to the same old, same old of, oh yeah, I can stand next to Thor, a literal God. And I shook hands with the creator, but yeah, that's all that bullshit. So so while like I do love it in the run, I just wish that it was more capitalized on later if that makes sense. I don't know if that's fair or not, but it's just how I feel about it. No, I think that's fair what What did you
2: think of it, Lex?
0: I thought it was very interesting. I would say it wasn't it wasn't my favorite as well. like I understood it. It was nice, but I kind of agree like it was interesting to have them be there if that makes sense hmm. um. So, yeah, I, I I agree with Evan. I, I think everything he said, I I agree with.
2: All right, fine. Oh, I, sure. I well, will you, talk about... No, you
0: have some to preach over there, Mister.
2: I will talk about why I like it. First so, and foremost, in the Hebrew... <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: We'll get there a little bit. <laughs> um, so, Ben Grimm is one of, one of the very few, like, canonically Jewish superheroes. Yeah. Um, and it's surprising cause like for such a Jewish medium, comic books have very few Jewish characters That's true. and with Ben Grimm, he, for him to go and meet God, I think is really important. Cause he's always been like a religious character. I was a little upset that like Reed basically kept telling everybody else they were stupid for like trying to have a religious experience in heaven. Yeah. I was like, they're in heaven, Reed, like let them sort out what heaven means to them in heaven. But like all was forgiven for me when the thing who is the caricature of Jack Kirby meets God who is Jack Kirby. And there's like this subtext of, and then God fixes Reed's face to like help him look better. And he doesn't fix the thing. And there's just like this (laughs) powerful message of like, the thing is already created in the image of God. Like there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing that needs to be fixed. He, he is worthwhile. He is creating the image of God. And my my nerd hat here, um, <laughs> everyone forgive me. Everyone can turn off their ears. I just want to say it because I loved it. But in in Hebrew, when God is creating man, right? the The root word for Adam, which just means mankind, by the way, everyone, in Hebrew, not a name. Just just means man. Not a proper name. But,
1: when... Oh, you froze.
3: No. Oh, no. Oh, no. God smited him. <laughs> I said, you take too much.
1: All the secrets are coming out.
3: No. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> so, oh,
1: just, oh, immediately I was just like, um, let me just put my nerd head out for a second. We got
0: <laughs> immediately no, immediately no.
3: I hope I hope he leaves this oh <laughs> 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 in.
2: too me. hard.
3: Okay, is he back? Okay,
2: hello, am I back?
3: Yes. Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay, I'll leave it in. Where did I cut out? Um, I'm putting my nerve hat, <laughs> put really? hat on. You put your nerve hat on. You you put your nerd hat on, and then you said, "But by the way, Adam is just man in Hebrew. It's not a name." And then you said, "Would God?" <laughs> and <then he> <laughs> Yo, I got cut
2: off for blasphemy right there.
1: <laughs> right there.
2: Right there. Got cut off for blasphemy. Uh, that's funny, honestly. <laughs> honestly, word. Shout out to the man upstairs. Um,
0: That's right. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> so Adam, when God creates Adam, the root for the name Adam is dirt, Adamah. And so like the Hebrew says like, and God using dirt makes something in his image. And so it just like, it really hit me that like the man made of rocks is in God's yeah. image. Like it felt, I don't know if that was on purpose for Mark Wade. I don't know what Mark, he he uses little Hebrew phrases and things that he says. I, I don't know his religious affiliation, but it really impacted me that I was like, Ben Grimm is the face of God. And I feel like that would have been a very resonant, important moment for Ben Grimm, realizing that as well. That, that put a cap on one of my favorite characters. So
1: that's that's my two cents on that.
2: Thanks, yeah. everybody. We can move on now.
1: Yeah. Well, I just want to say that would got...
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but no, thank you, Dallas. It's always it's always nice. You're so smart. You're very smart. You're so smart. Your Look
0: at you. <laughs>
3: Bring that's your, not head, your not, <laughs> That's not. the
2: purpose. I was just trying to share the thing I thought was interesting. Oh, we know.
3: Well,
1: <laughs> fuck all of you. You've,
3: <laughs> you've added more context for the next time I read the thing com- comics. So I'm 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 grateful.
1: <laughs> By the way, everyone should be reading the Thing mini right now. I'm an issue behind, but uh, Walter Mosley is doing amazing work, and it's incredible. Oh, shoot, what's the other person's name? Oh, Tom oh. Riley. Tom Riley, thank you. It's amazing what they're doing. The art is gorgeous and really like resonating, and the messaging behind it is just palpable.
3: So go check it out. First issue is on Marvel Unlimited. So yeah, there you go. Or you could pay for it. You could pay for it. I <laughs> said, you're, you're paying for Marvel Unlimited.
1: Uh, Yeah, in a way. But you can also, you know, <laughs> buy the trade, really show your support. Or, you know, you know, times are you tough. Know. I don't even that for my, my
0: Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, see? I just steal
3: this. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, ready to praise Lexi. And then Lexi's like, I just steal. Uh, okay. <laughs>
0: Let's just use his password.
3: We love theft around here.
1: Mm-hmm. All right.
0: That's all right. I paid for those one comic books. Do you remember that? Like
2: yeah, when you, know? you paid like70 dollars for Friday because you're an <laughs> idiot they, <laughs> said, they said pay what you, they said pay what you want and Alexis went 30 pages, that's probably 70 dollars worth. That's how disconnected <laughs> she is from buying comic books. Ladies and gentlemen.
0: I paid like eight dollars.
2: Idiot. I Big know. idiot move! Big idiot move right there. She what said, "I haven't either? bought a single comic in my whole life. Better spend all the money." <laughs>
1: indie comics, we should be very grateful.
3: Oh, that's
0: yeah. our money they made.
3: That it's, it's mm-hmm. three comics, Michael. How much could it cost? Seventy dollars. <laughs>
2: exactly. Go see a Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she is she is Lucille Bluth fun fact Alexis is moments away from growing up to Lucille Bluth at any moment
0: I don't know who that is I know that's what
2: makes uh, it funnier you gotta I watch Arrested Development uh, I don't care for Joe oh are you talking
0: about
2: Carson Watch Arrested Development
0: Carson here's,
2: here's my hot take Shits Creek is Arrested Development if it's nice Arrested Development is Shits Creek if it was funny and that's what I'm gonna yeah. say. Huh? I'm just kidding. I love Schitt's Creek. I just I was the say, right there. You're
0: the David. You're the David to my Alexis. So shut up.
1: Damn, you're not, you're not wrong. Once all right, should we talk? about on a uh, family. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm really coming to
3: this, this is week. great.
2: I'm still pouting from everyone making fun of me when I was trying to say something. <laughs> so you can all talk about Johnny Storm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still pouting.
3: None of you. Still um, pouting.
2: You all can talk about Johnny Storm. I'm going to sit here in silence, frowning. <laughs> uh,
1: I'll be short and sweet about Johnny Storm. I think this is a great run for him. He gets two arcs mm-hmm. at least during this run. Uh, they're the same arc, but <laughs> he gets two of them. Um, and his character is great, and I love his relationship with the... What's her name? Jean? I don't know how to pronounce it, actually. It might be Jean or Gian from The Office. Um, oh. Not The Office, but The Office. Mm-hmm. Um... And I wish that was developed a lot more than it was because she literally just like disappears during the disassembled arc, where she's just like, "I'll have to go pick up my mom at the airport." Bye, and then is never seen from again. (laughs) So I don't think she appears in Miller's run after Miller's run afterwards. So um, for all intents and purposes, she might be dead. (laughs) So because there was a flood, so I don't know. They (laughs) didn't mention it, but hopefully not. I would love to see her again. And hey, Marvel, if you give me Marvel Comics Fantastic Four to write. I promise you I'll bring her back, alive and well, and a supervillain.
0: <laughs> she just got stuck um, in traffic, all right? Leave her alone. We got
1: stuck in traffic. The flood came and pushed her right into the airport where she saw her mom, and they floated to Louisiana or something.
2: Uh, it's, actually, it. it's actually the same flood from the Batman movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, oh, spoiler. What the hell? There you yeah, go. So oh, Unbelievable. Also the same uh, flood from the Bible. And in the Bible... (laughs) (laughs) Muting myself again. (laughs)
3: from that johnny storm is one of those characters for me that fits under my favorite new archetype that i'm simply going to call characters who would have bullied me in high school but use the correct pronouns hell yeah and it's just <laughs>
4: you're so right
3: <laughs> <laughs> characters <laughs> who i by all accounts should not like but i just cannot get enough of it's like mm. yeah he's a womanizer but I love him. So what are what are we going to do about it? John- <laughs> that's about where I stand with Johnny's <laughs> part.
0: I love Johnny's conversation with Spider-Man about, he's like, okay, bottom line, everybody hates you. So how do you deal with that? And I'm like, yeah, that's right. That is right. You tell him, Johnny. We do hate you.
3: <laughs> how, how do you deal with being ugly? Please yeah. tell me. I'm trying to humble myself. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, I love just stuff like that. Johnny just has the funniest crap that he gets into. It's like when he's in the kiddie pool with no clothes. He just screams, <laughs> "I have no pants!" <laughs> I'm like yeah, that that tracks too. It's great.
1: <laughs> For context, he didn't go into the kiddie pool with no clothes <laughs> on <No. out, laughs> on purpose. Yeah,
0: this is it was not criminal intent. <laughs> <was> really accidental. <laughs>
1: Uh, I do love Johnny. He's one of my favorite characters because the are one of my favorite characters. And I do love his relationship with Spider-Man usually. I think it's very funny what they do in this arc where they aren't really best friends. Um, but at the same time, I do wish this was written as if they were still best friends. And I thought it was mm-hmm. weird that that was a departure from that. Uh, but this was before a brand new day and one day more and a yeah. day less than one and all those, right?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, yeah. So they should still be best friends. So I was really confused about that. Um, but, you know, besides that, good run, good run.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't Johnny know that it's Peter Parker? Yeah. So why does why does he need to dress up as Spider-Man to go to the park with him? Why can't he just go incognito as Peter?
1: Yeah, that's what I was really confused about. And also, that he never says Peter's name at any point. So mm-hmm. I don't think Wade realized that he knows Spider-Man like that. Yeah, because I think they they were they knew each other's secrets since they fought either Salmon or the Wizard. I think was mm-hmm. that their first team up, and then they had a Christmas team up. So they were definitely friends and knew each other's identities by then. But I don't know. Maybe I'm I do super love wrong. that's also very (laughs) possible
2: i know i know i'm just staying silent still still pouting
3: i I do love that they got to their normal hang-up spot and the government told them to piss off
0: (laughs) you are on private property get off the damn statue of liberty
1: he's like i'm Johnny storm like go (laughs) (laughs) it does feel like
2: it does feel like the bush era that way (laughs) George W. Bush comes down. And he's like, "I need you to get off the statue, <laughs> please, please get off the statue."
3: <sighs> Dallas, please tell us yeah. all about their um, their first meeting, their friendship. No. Okay.
0: <laughs> all right. With that, we'll jump okay. into questions. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: so first question, Dallas. What do you think about uh, Johnny Storm and uh, His Worship mm-hmm. Spider Man?
0: Mm,
2: I think they are neat friends. <laughs> I, de- I don't read them as gay. I don't know.
1: I know a lot of people do, and they like that. It's just I it's wasn't never hinting hit for me. that, but Let's get into it. <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> for me, just to put it out there, my perspective is that they would make a terrible couple. So mm-hmm. in my head canon, they dated once. It was very bad and awkward and Sandman attack or something. And then they never dated again. And they've okay. always had that uh, friendship mm-hmm. tension of being like, we could have been something, but also it would never happen. It would never work out. So I always like reading into it as that. Um, but besides that, I think Giant Storm and Namor will be a cute couple.
2: <laughs> I definitely get more bisexual vibes from Johnny than I do Peter. I don't know why, but I read Peter as like a pretty, pretty hetero dude. That's fair. But I don't know. They always seem more like siblings to me than lovers. But mm-hmm. that's just me, honestly. Yeah. I-, I wish I was there. With Which, all if you of went your... to
1: pornography.com, that wouldn't be an issue.
2: <laughs> exactly. Now, so... this is a
1: callback from a previous issue. So, don't, I don't want anyone to think that I support that kind of thing.
3: A previous issue of the comics collective. Of the comic collective, yeah. Not, not yeah. of Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> Spider
2: Man. Yeah, so that famous issue where Spider Man's like pornography.com yeah. siblings. So this is definitely
1: the Ultimate Comics universe. Quick <laughs> so
2: Is that? That happened in Ultimatum, actually. Oh my oh gosh. Jeff Lowe wrote that for fun.
1: Oh, and even making it into the comic, he just keeps bringing it up.
2: No, he's like, I had a deleted scene. You want to hear it? And they're like, we really don't. No, Jeff, we no. don't hear
1: anything from you, man. <laughs> Shut Please up. Leave just go away.
2: <laughs> Please. You, I wrote, you wrote a long it? Halloween like, thank you. Please go. <laughs> Please go away. You wrote six good comics in your whole career. Goodbye. And Hush wasn't one of them.
1: <laughs> oh! Oh! Uh, Hot take, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> or cold right. take? Twitter?
2: Yeah, um, for it, sometimes Twitter's Batman takes. I'm like,
1: y'all need to go outside and touch grass. Like,
3: <laughs> I'm just, I'm tired of Twitter's Batman takes. I'm tired of Batman, to be honest. So, yeah. it's I can't
1: get enough Batman. I wish we had
3: more Batman movies mm-hmm. and comics. No, wow. You'll, listen, you'll know. never hear me say anything positive about that rattyard little freak ever. Just saying. <laughs> I'll make you eat those words
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Hello Comics, Comics Collective on. and Evan Hello question asker Hello
2: this is from Joe Hello Hi, Joe. Comics Love. Collective and Evan is this, I Joe? Ha- Sorry.
1: is this Joe Loves Comics?
2: This is Joe Loves Comics Hi Joe I've had the omnibus of this run on my shelf for over a year now, but haven't gotten around to it yet. Looking forward to hearing the episode. It's one of the only times I've already I already own the book you're reading. My questions are as follows: What are some of your other favorite team books? I recently started the Ewing and Various Artists Ultimates Complete Collection. A few issues in, and it's totally my kind of book. Loving it. <laughs> Using any characters you can't think you can think of from indie comics or the big two who would you use to create a new fantastic four team how do you think the mcu should approach a fantastic four film i've heard a lot of different ideas but i'm interested to hear what you all think about it hope that wasn't too many questions thanks for all the entertaining listening you provide joe
1: all right so there's a lot of questions to go over yeah Uh, (laughs) um, i can't remember the first one now because i was laughing too hard but the second one i would say the perfect fantastic four family if you need a follow-up to this one for some reason is just the power pack Just take the power pack, age them up a little bit, send them into space. They're already family. Because the thing about the Fantastic Four, that's why I don't like the new Fantastic Four concept where Spider-Man, Wolverine, Hulk, and Ghost Rider. Because it's a fun team-up, but it's not the Fantastic Four. They're not a family. Uh, Most of them don't know each other or have a good relationship at all. They don't fit the archetypes at all. So I don't understand why... You could, I don't think Fantastic Four is a team you could just throw anyone together and be like, oh, they go decent together. they be great together. There's four of them, so they're good. Fantastic Four at its core, and this is stated in the first issue, they're not a superhero team. They're a family of adventurers, of scientists, and they love what they do. They don't go on patrols. They don't just take on big events and everything unless they have to. They, at their core, they're a family. And that's exactly what the Power Pack is. And Power Pack gets zero love anyway, so they're not doing anything. So let's sum up the space <laughs> for a little bit.
3: Let's do it. Also, on that same on that same note, if you want more books about family explorers, make sure you check out Adventure Man right now from Image because it's phenomenal and definitely in the same vibe.
2: It is very good. I also really like Black Science by Cassandra. Yeah, that. That's a fun like
1: gritty fantastic four i feel yeah. like if you think reed richards is an asshole read black science and come back to me because you'll <laughs> think reed richards is a saint after that nothing will make you be like maybe reed does love his family yeah. like reading black <laughs> science more than a guy who has an anarchy tattoo on his neck and is the lead scientist
0: it's only fair that's fine
1: but um, mateo Scalera's art is stunning in that book oh yeah. so that, that book's amazing it's a good it's a good yeah, book it's a i like black what was Joe's first question?
2: What are some of your other favorite team books? Uh, Joe is recently reading Al Ewing's Ultimates, which Evan gave me for my birthday. Everyone, oh. Evan, Evan does like me. Um, <laughs> <That makes sense. laughs> um, what are some of our other favorite superhero teams and specific books?
3: Hmm. Hmm. Um, I love the JSA. The JSA yeah. and the Legion of Superheroes are my two DC. Um, Comics teams where it's like when these are done right, nothing else hits like them. I love the Legion just because there's like so many of them, and it's just they always create these really interesting dynamics because it's like never the same team twice. And I just love that that futuristic version of the DC universe where it's like people who are so inspired by the heroes before they've just stretched out to the stars, and it's the perfect sci-fi book. It's it's everything I need, and I like the JSA because I like the idea of these these old time heroes training like the next generation and th- it's it's a great it's a great time. I I was not prepared to go deeper than that. They're just both fun.
2: <laughs> I'm a okay. massive fan of the X-Men. Okay. I specifically really like Chris Claremont's take on the X-Men. I think they have a lot of the interpersonal drama that
1: the Fantastic Four bring. Okay. Um, I agree mostly with both of you. Uh, JSA, I think, is great when it's done great. I love the legacy aspect of it. Uh, I wish I could recommend my favorite run, but I don't want to recommend that person. Um, I think the Bat family is great. I think Spider-Man family could be better, but I think it would be one of my favorites if it was written as an actual family team dynamic. Um, X-Men, Runaways, Power Pack, like I said. uh, There's a lot of teams. Some would say too many. Oh, West Coast Avengers, the Kelly Thompson run, is amazing. Uh, definitely check that out. Short-lived. Canceled way too soon. I wish I had oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. four more volumes of it. I also really love the ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I think yeah. especially Al
2: Ewing's yeah. recent run was oh.
1: wonderful. Oh, yeah. If you're reading uh, Al Ewing's Ultimates and you like that, definitely just go to Guardian Snacks, because mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. as good. I agree. Do you have favorite superhero teams, Lex?
0: I was going to say also the Justice League, but mostly just because of um when we recently covered it with the New Frontier.
2: That was a wonderful book.
0: I really liked that one. That was good. <laughs> Everybody go read that. <laughs> oh,
3: All right. the, Did we cover the last part of this question yet? How would we want the MCU to approach a Fantastic Four film? Oh, jeez. I because... wish they wouldn't. But <laughs> they are. Oh, sh- I got this. I got this. I want a Fantastic Four film it starts in the '60s, and I want the whole film to be an adventure film through different dimensions and different planets of them trying to get back to Earth. And by the time they get back to Earth, they realize it's no longer the '60s.
0: Oh, that was! So I want fun. It to start
3: as a period piece and end up in modern day. It could explain where they've been for so long, and it spends. I don't want any of the first film to be in New York. Any place we've seen before, I want it to be pure adventure. I want this to be a Fantastic Four film that we haven't seen before. I don't want Doctor Doom. I don't want to see... I don't want to spend a lot of time with them trying to be heroes. I want them to be an adventuring family that has to stick together to survive. I think that could be a really great setup to get them into the MCU. I 100 agree.
2: I like period piece that ends up in the quantum realm. Mm -hmm. And so then... They get tied up in all the king
1: stuff with Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. My one thing that I have to say, I hope there's a lot of ways to do it in MCU. You can do it grounded, fantastical, yada yada. I think Anne's way is perfect. I, all I have to say is keep John Krasinski away from it. I, all the fan casts on Twitter and Facebook are awful. You guys heard one fan cast and just latched onto it without pers- any type of perspective or understanding of the characters and. That sounds very mean, and I apologize. But also, you guys are so <laughs> annoying with these fan casts because any other fan cast that's brought up just gets overwritten, and you're just like, well, actually, I think this. I-. No, David Harbor won't, won't be a good thing. John Krasinski will not be a good read. Emily Blunt will not be a good Sue Storm. I'm sorry I have to say that, but it's my truth, and I have to speak mm-hmm. it because you guys need to hear it. The so. only
0: good Ben would be Dwayne Johnson because it's already made. False. It. False. <laughs> False.
1: No. His
0: name no, no, is rock? No.
1: Because Ben Grimm is, one, a rock, and two, he will rumble. <laughs> he will take your face off. And he is uh, about time, and he's about power.
2: I. Breaking news. Time for your favorite recurring... Se- <laughs> time for your favorite recurring segment. The Glenn Machette Question of the Week. <laughs> From Glenn Machette, <laughs> what <Where> do you? <laughs>
1: Sorry, <laughs> from Glenn Machette, <laughs> it is I,
2: I'm Robo <laughs> Alice. Um, where do you each stand on the Doom debate? No scars, only one minor, or one or fully face messed up? Question two. I love this run, but don't think it gets the praise it deserves. Which of the FF comics, do you think the MCU would
1: with
3: the Fantastic Four coming to the MCU? Do you think? <laughs> okay, I got farther than you did.
1: All right, I know. I know what Glenn's trying to say. He's saying, okay. "Which comic run do you think the MCU should be inspired by?"
3: Thank you.
4: Ah, Invent. there you
2: go. I... Okay, my brain turned off halfway through that sentence. <laughs>
1: Uh, (laughs) both of you do the same thing, just reading your stuff. Just Just short
0: circuits a little
1: bit. Like camera froze for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I think (laughs) he's frozen
2: again. And question three. Um, Outside of John Burns, outside of comics persona, what do you think of his Fantastic Four run? Mm. So number one, what do we think of Doom's face?
1: How fucked is it?
0: Fuck it up. Very small. Very small. I can go. This is so much more funny.
1: I hate to both sizes, but I could go either way. I love it when it's like really messed up, and they just like really lean into that. But I also think it's so funny when he takes off the mask, and it's just a small scar, and you are like, "Oh, you drama queen!" i have 60 years of comics for this. <laughs> I
2: love that. I do. Uh, I like Doctor Doom when he's the Phantom of the Opera. That's my favorite yeah. rendition. <laughs> When I watched the Phantom of the Opera for the first time, I went, they made a rock opera about Doctor Doom. This is wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful.
0: And you yeah. loved it. I
2: did. I loved Phantom. Um yeah. what type? Fan- I- wow. Which Fantastic Four issues do you think they're going to pull from for the Fantastic Four movie?
4: Hmm.
3: I-,
2: I probably something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> <It's just kind
3: laughs> Probably don't Ultimate want them comics. to, but I feel like they're going to try to pull from Hickman. Mm. I
1: think they're going to Just... pull from the Ultimate Comics a lot. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't pull them for their to.
1: Origins, unfortunately.
3: Oh, uh, I don't want the Maker. I don't want him.
1: No. I love I secretly. I love the Maker. Don't... First of all, I would love the Maker. Uh, but um, the Maker is like one of my favorite villains. I think he's amazing. Easy. But I don't think they're going to pull that aspect from the comics. I think they're going to pull their origins. In the origins, they're more grounded. I don't think they go to space. It's more like a gamma radiation type of deal. Explosion happens. I can't exactly remember what happens, but their origin makes them and uh, Mole Man. Um, Which I think is a really cool connection. So I would be okay with saying that and seeing Mole Man on the screen in a real way for once. Mm
2: -hmm. Didn't they kind of already do that with the 2015 Fantastic Four? Wasn't that already kind of Ultimate Comics?
1: Kind of. They definitely leaned into that too, but for that, they went to a different dimension, which might've been the negative zone, mm. um, which also could kind of work. Honestly, best case scenario, they just skip the origin. We don't have to dwell on it. We don't talk about it. We just already show
0: it. It. all know.
1: We all know it. Just have them walk into the Baxter building. Like The opening should be kids going to the Baxter building, all excited, and there's a huge museum history and an AI voice going, welcome to the Baxter building. Here is the Fantastic Four. You know them for their maiden voyage into space where radiation gave them their power. And that's all we need to know. Let's move on and get into the actual story.
0: There you go. I agree. Cast Evan as the AI Baxter building. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah. Evan's my Please. favorite GLaDOS. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait, GLaDOS. He goes, uh... Kink. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ann says, "Doesn't Ann go kink?"
1: Hey,
3: kink. <laughs> it's besides the point.
2: Kink. Ann, what? What's your favorite comic about? Kink. kink.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Batman. Kink.
0: <laughs> no Batman. Damn it.
3: Um, the other kingster I don't like.
2: <laughs> All right, and um, what do we think of John Byrne's Fantastic Four?
1: I have not read it.
3: Have not read it. Uh,
1: I read it. I don't have any types of feelings at it whatsoever, because mm-hmm. I don't remember. I read it, like, very early on in my comics career. I have decent memories of it, but it didn't linger with me. So, uh, She-Hulk was in it, though, I think. So,
2: maybe. I think I'll read it soonish. I need to finish the Jack Kirby run, and then mm-hmm. I need to read the Hickman run. And then I'm going to read the Matt Fraction run. So it's going to be a while. That's like two years down the road that I'm reading the John Byrne run. With the pace that I read these things. All right. Uh, I'm so sorry. I can't pronounce your name. B-R-Y-L-X-O-N. Brilkson. Writes in for the Fantastic Four. My first question is. More often than not. People like to compare the Incredibles to the fantastic four even though family plays an important part of both stories what do people often misunderstand about the fantastic four especially in comparison to the pixar film and question two do you think dr doom has become a joker-esque figure in terms of people frequently using him in stories like i think the character is great but seeing doom as the only viable antagonist for the fantastic four seems disappointing to me do you think more writers should use their rogue gallery more creatively and interpret them in different ways so question one what's different between the ff and the incredibles um
1: for me the biggest difference is just that the incredibles are a superhero family and the fantastic four are not they're not superheroes and going into either those not understanding that about either one kind of messes up their story so if you go into, superhero or into the Incredibles not recognizing that they're superheroes or like trying to address them as superheroes in your writing, I think that messes up who they are as characters. Versus Fantastic Four, if you approach them as superheroes instead of scientists or uh, specifically family, then you totally miss out on what their story's about. So both great, though. Um,
2: I think a really major difference is the color of their costumes as well. Um, hmm. One group has blue, one group has red. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. I, I I think a major difference is um, Reed Smart, Mister Incredible, not
1: that's, that's also really good. Um, oh, oh, another big difference is that Elastic Girl is actually important to the family and like oh, the shit. stuff to do. I, so, I don't know maybe that's important me to no, about
2: they that.
3: They would never do that. I think
2: similarly, Elastic Girl um has a dumpy and uh, Mister Fantastic does not. So oh, Mister
1: Fantastic, yeah, okay. Mister
2: Fantastic does not.
1: That's true. What else? What else? Um, uh, the Incredibles. Um, the
3: Fantastic Four kids could beat up The Incredibles kids. Yeah, that's true. That's Disagree. True. They don't Disagree. Are you I kidding? mean, one is a reality-bender. <laughs> <laughs> Franklin never. would make a little universe for them to play in. Franklin made the Pixar universe. <laughs> not right, yeah, not right. <laughs> now. Not right now, he couldn't.
2: Oh, shut Just up. Just some salt on the wounds. Unbelievable. Um... I also think that Dash falls into the bullies you with the correct pronouns group.
1: Um, Dash doesn't know what a pronoun
2: is, let's be honest. Dash, I love Dash. I love The Incredibles. That's one of the big differences between me and Grant Morrison. I love The Incredibles. And Grant <laughs> did not. And I think they they're not. wrong
3: about that. I think The Fantastic Four could use a goth. I-, I want Ben to go through his goth face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, needs
0: just, he needs some swept over bangs.
2: Much <laughs> like Bruce Wayne in The Batman.
0: We all know who he's a chemical robot. Oh Leave him my alone.
2: Grim could have some little swoopy We don't need to talk about him. Listening to Nirvana. Underneath I am shadow. bridge. Oh, it'd be great. He goes...
4: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, second part of the
3: question. Do we get now? This-
4: <laughs>
2: It's very fitting. Do you think that Dr.
1: Doom is the Joker? Discuss.
3: Yes. Yes. No. No.
1: My hot take is no. I think Dr. Doom is used a perfect amount. I do. I know I did. I know I sound hypocritical because I did say that they didn't use enough villains besides Dr. Doom in this Wade run. But the way they use Doom is actually important to the family and their dynamics and their story. Uh, Whereas Joker is thrown in just to have Joker stories, I feel nowadays. Um, And he also shows up in things that he has no business being in Um, versus Dr. Doom. Every time he shows up, it feels iconic or important. Um, And it's Dr. Doom. He just doesn't get old so far.
2: Um, I don't think Dr. Doom for me has been taken too seriously. And I think that's the big thing. Like if Joker showed up Mm -hmm. as a clown that poisons the reservoir every time, I don't think I'd be as sick of him. I'm sick Mm -hmm. of trying to be told that the Joker is something really important. Whereas I think yeah. Doom shows up and Doom gets to be what Doom is. Like, he gets to be campy. Yeah. He gets to be over the top. He gets to be melodramatic. He gets to be a real threat. And, like, I just feel like the Joker has kind of become one note for me. Where it's like, I'm here to destroy your whole world, Batman. <laughs> and like, I just, yeah. If I never had to see him for the next ten years, I'd be okay. Whereas I would miss Doom within six months if Doom didn't yeah. show up in something.
3: Completely fair. No notes. All right.
2: Question. Uh, blue here. And I'm very interested in hearing what your favorite joke from
1: the book was. My favorite joke came in the last minute. So before it would be like the prank where uh, Ben Grimm <laughs> drops a giant water ball, uh, yep. water balloon with his face on it onto Giant Storm. I think that's <laughs> that <was> hilarious. <laughs> a two page story. Uh, beautiful. Should have won an Eisner. But my favorite joke is from um, the run with the the wizard and everything and it's when Johnny's like um can't don't you have a gravitron detector and then Reed's like yeah let me just pull out my gravitron detector that I have around and Johnny's like really and then Reed's like no and then later they're like no of course I don't have that and then later Johnny's like um, they find like the person they're looking for and Johnny's with her and um Johnny's like oh my god how'd you find her uh and then Reed's like I built a gravitron detector that Was a good idea <laughs> I was like, that is hilarious to me.
3: Oh, mine was mine was definitely the balloon. That was, yeah. I laughed for a solid five minutes. <laughs> I just imagine, like, imagine you're just chilling on the roof, and you look up, and it's just the thing. It's just his face <laughs> coming down at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I
0: have to say, mine is the allowance. Him having to oh, get Coming from Johnny.
2: I agree with Alexis. I think that's my favorite as well.
1: My other favorite one, sorry, is also when the side story where Sue uh, is using Namor to make Reed jealous. I think that's, oh, a, that's bit, a good But one. then um, Reed uh, comes back at it by making himself look like Namor with the uh, <laughs> eyebrows and the pointy ears and everything. <laughs> So it doesn't translate well when I explain it like that, but you guys should read the book and you guys will understand. It's
3: funny. It's all fun and games until Sue asks him to do that in the bedroom. Then it becomes very awkward.
2: (laughs) Started as a joke, ends as marital counseling. (laughs) (laughs) Much like many jokes. Um, Ooh. Ooh. Just kidding. But our final question from Muller Overlord. Hello, Comics Collective. Hello, Muller Overlord. Um, As someone who has never really read a lot of Fantastic Four, having got more to the, book, the X books and some Avengers. I am one of the many individuals who has been living for many years under the impression that Reed Richards was a terrible father and heartless scientist stereotype. After reading some of Wade's run, I have realized how misled I've been. My question is, what and who do you think is the root cause of this misrepresentation of Mr. Fantastic and why does it have such sticking power? Loving me the podcast.
1: Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thanks. As, you know, one of the hosts of the podcast, we always appreciate your feedback <laughs> and your love from uh, the questions. Um, but for me, easy answer is Civil War. Hard answer is Stanley. I know no one wants to hear it, but Stanley's writing of Reed Richards and Sue Storm kind of cemented Reed Richards as this type of character. And at the time, it was just the character writing and it wasn't a big deal. But looking back at it, it has a hold on the character and the entire dynamic that shapes the characters. Because the characters are shaped by their family dynamic. Um, and and I think Lexi were definitely commenting on um how Sue is treated as a mother figure and how that's very damaging to her at this point because she doesn't get to have the same arcs as everyone else. Uh, so, this is something that has always been in the writings, and it was up to other writers to change that. John Byrne, to his credit, did start to change that um, by including Sue in more ways and changing how her powers work and her abilities. But, in the end of the day, it is in the bones until. Basically, the Wade run is the one that really kind of really, really shook it. Before that, it was kind of more of subtext that he did actually love his family, but it never was so explicitly stated as it was in this run, in my opinion. Um, So, you know, shout out to Stanley for creating, help creating uh, The Fantastic Four. But also, uh, it was his fault at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And also, not to blame fans but also it's the fans fault for just assuming based off of one appearance and one event that they read because that's what happened people read civil war and instead of being like oh is this what the character's like they said this is what the character's like i hate this oh. guy. how dare you <laughs> i'm angry now all the time constantly no offense to uh who wrote the question in blue uh muller overlord um. oh no offense to muller overlord uh thank you for being a fan of the podcast. But uh, <laughs> But it is on us as readers to do our own research and not rely on events, especially, especially after everything that happened in events and how much we say we hate events and uh, how characters are written in events. Mm-hmm. We still use events as the basis for how we react to different characters. Like the Avengers keep getting called cops and no one has evidence to this except for in the X-Men books where they're shown as fascists, basically. When, meanwhile, in their own books, they're shown entirely differently. So, all I'm saying is, we all have a responsibility to step outside of our comfort zone and maybe realize our own biases in these situations, myself included. I'm not, I'm holding everyone to the same standard uh, I would hold myself. Read a book. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think I one,
3: as a carol danvers fan i have to say no one's ever done that before no one's ever <laughs> taken a single moment from a single of civil war book of all things and just said this is who the character is that's that just doesn't happen evan i'm sorry i have to completely disagree there yeah, fair but, um <laughs> i hate i hate things so much i'm so mad at all times <laughs> i I have no notes to that. What, everything you said is perfect. I'm glad you're here, so that way I don't have to answer questions myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're angry, you could yell at me. Don't yell at the podcast. I am just a guest with a bad opinion. Who so, speaks truth? Who speaks the truth,
2: and is always right. I think there's a really big difference, though, where I think it's really damaging when people view Reed as not liking's family, and I think it's very funny when people say the Avengers are cops. So yeah. <laughs> I think there's a core difference between the two issues is... I like one of those, and it makes me laugh. (laughs) So that should be taken into account. I I think more people should take my feelings into account when they're voicing Mm. their opinions. One hundred percent.
3: Yeah, true. I can say a cab, Avengers, cops are bastards. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Exactly. Um, We can have both. (laughs)
2: Evan, as we wrap up, do you have anything you want to plug or say before we get into our final notes?
1: Yeah, first and foremost, I want to plug myself. Um, you can always follow me at Evan Reed's Comics on the twitter.com hemisphere. You can always listen to uh, a podcast that me and Dallas host together called uh, What's Next Comic Book Podcast. Um, and you can follow that at What's Next Comics. Um, I also implore that you read uh, the thing miniseries that's going on right now. It's fantastic. And we are always saying that we want different voices in this medium, we want different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And this is a truly unique perspective, and a beautiful story. And the other comic I want to plug, uh, which I apologize in advance, everyone should be reading Victor LaVelle's uh, Sabretooth run that's happening right now. I know we all don't love Sabretooth, except for me, but it is a fantastic run so far. Only one issue in, and it's already like better than all the other X-Men books I'm reading right now. Shots fired. Um, So, you know, definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, I think that's it.
2: I like how you plug comics when we ask you about the plug. Like, your love yeah. for this medium just <laughs> oozes out of you. And I That's I true. like Thank it a lot. I don't know anyone else. I love else this does, medium,
1: but I want everyone else to love it. It yeah. shows. You're great.
3: That's big brain. Big Thank heart, you. too. So. Oh,
1: and so bigger brain. butt. <laughs> That's very true. I wish this was a visual medium so everyone could see how fat my... Big ass, big old dumpy. Happy ass it's... Wednesday last week. But... Happy ass. No, oh my god, I was so offended. I was like, oh, it's ass Wednesdays. Wednesday, can't wait for everybody to, you know, put dirt on my forehead and tell me how big my ass is. Not a single person. Not a single person told me my ass was fat until I said something. They... they put dirt on my head all day. People throwing dirt at me for some reason, but no ass. They just draw
2: two little round butt cheeks on your forehead with the ash. <laughs> I wish.
1: I wish I had ass on my forehead. <laughs>
2: Sorry. I mean, that's my plans for the afternoon, but. We are very um, respectful
0: of everyone's religions. Yes. Yeah,
2: <laughs> except the Catholics. Uh, I could be Christian
1: for all you guys know.
0: What? Oh my
3: gosh.
2: I think religion is overrated and stupid, and I don't think anyone should care about it.
3: Yeah. By the way, yeah. when's, when's our Bible study this week? Uh, Monday, as
1: always. Um, oh,
3: okay. Awesome. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Cool.
1: Uh, I'll see you there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did y'all know that Adam in Hebrew is actually man?
3: <laughs> and, dirt.
1: A fun, and dirt. And <laughs> dirt.
2: Did you also know that Eve means life? So they're literally dirt boy and life girl because one's made yeah. from the dirt and one brings life to the planet? Oh, just like the movie. Just, oh. like, yep. There you go. Yeah. J- <laughs> All right. I, when are they going to give us the Bible movie? The adaptation we've all been waiting for.
0: <laughs> Hell almighty. I'll the
1: Bible Cinematic that. Universe. We did. It came out It came out last week. It's called The Batman.
0: Oh my lord. I Just am. Up.
1: I'm, sick
0: it. I'm so sorry. All <laughs> okay. right. And if you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, um, go ahead and follow our personal Twitter accounts. Um at Dallas comics at Ann comics and at Lexi Lou underscore comics and if you want to follow our podcast please go to at CMX collective
2: nice if you enjoyed the show and want to show your support please go to Apple podcasts Spotify or wherever you're listening and give us a five star review and if you write an actual review we'll read it off on the show uh, also whoever didn't give us the five star on Spotify so we're 4.9 stars now I'm under <laughs> your bed I'm <laughs> It was Glenn. <laughs> He's like, one star, not enough Glenn. Send.
0: It's true. There is not enough Glenn.
3: And finally, feel free to email email us with your questions or comments or your request for more Glenn for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. You don't know what you just did.
1: <laughs>
3: We're going to get so many emails from so Glenn. So many. <laughs> Specifically.
0: Hey, See, that's the nice part. Specifically. It's true. It's true. It's true. All right. And if you want to tune in next week for our episode, we will be going over my pick for the month Mm -hmm. Mooncakes.
3: Ooh. I'm very excited for this one. I have no idea what it's about, but I've heard really good things. So I'm going in completely blind. It's got a little witch on the front. I'm excited about it.
0: I can talk about my rocks. Oh
2: all right. Well, everybody, goodbye. Uh listen through our beautiful theme music. Uh we paid good money for it, and Mm -hmm. you should listen all the way to the end of it.
3: Bye. Very much. Bye. 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 Okay, are they gone? Are they okay? I, I Have been so. Dallas are gone. I think so. Okay, um, Lexi, um, the Batman. Ooh, bitch, what, what did you think about the Batman? Bitch, let me tell you. Is- yeah, this man's
0: dumpy yeah. of an ass.
3: Oh my god. Okay, so I'm
0: in love. <laughs> oh,
3: it, it was so good. You'll they'll never hear me say it. You can never prove it. No. it was so fucking good. I love Batman <gasps> so much.
0: I already bought tickets to go again.
3: I'm, I'm going to go again, words. This, right? This afternoon. It's three hours, but it's the three best hours of my life.
0: The fastest three hours of my life.
3: Zoe Kravitz. Oh my God. Oh my God. Just, oh, just everybody, oh, mama. Everybody. oh my gosh. And can you, the, the theme, the Batman theme, the Batman theme. Dun, 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 dun. I just, sure. I lost my shit. I lost my shit for the first time. I, that do intro. Love,
0: I love some guy liner.
3: A guyliner, oh my god Bruce had it going on There's no one else is doing it like him bitch. No one else I'm gonna buy, li- listen, I'm gonna go out And I'm gonna buy a bunch of Batman comics today I just wanna read so many of them I I, I think there's a few out there I can I can get caught up, I can get caught up I, I put my money where my mouth is, you know It's it's fine, everything's gonna be fine This is a completely normal reaction to have, right? Uh, Look, I'm like, shit, Shit. shit. Oh. I
2: didn't stop the recording um, Oh,
0: hi Dennis Hi there we were just chilling just just having girl talk honestly girl talk this is the real Mm -hmm. podcast get out cool
2: cool all right cool well uh (laughs) thanks uh sorry everybody didn't push stop
3: uh bye yeah bye you can edit this